Coming up this week, off screen. Amy Adams investigates an arrival. Idris Elba braves a hundred streets. We meet the innocents. Ewan McGregor takes us through American pastoral. We come down with a case of francophonia. David Giasi feels the panic. And we go on a visit to L Street, 1976. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. Welcome back, by the way, Case. You've, oh, you're back from you. your honeymoon. Sorry, I am indeed. Yeah. Sorry, took a week off, really. But, uh, yes, that you, is the reason. And we have, of course, got the burning question, which mm. is, uh, did you see any good in-flight movies? I don't know if good is the word. Because I don't really care where you went, it's just what movies you saw This is a flight. movie show. <laughs> it's this a movie show. Talk about. I always look forward to flying, especially like a long distance trips, just to see films. What did we get? What did we get this time from? Okay, I rewatched Finding Dory, so that is a good film. That is good. We'll, that is we'll good. start on a high. Okay. I also watched Ben Hur oh, for the first time. Ben Hur. I don't think it was as bad, but it's totally a film that you just watch on the plane to kill time. And if you fall asleep, that's fine. It's true. Anything that's else? Okay. Anything, anything else? Um. Yeah, there were some weird older films. Mm-hmm. Not old as, like, kind of old classics, but uh, Casino Royale was there. Okay. Which I, I, I didn't watch when it was there, but I did rewatch uh, Midnight in Paris. Uh, well, well, excellent choice. I, I like Midnight in Paris. I really enjoy that film, yeah. Corey Stoll as Ernie, as Ernest Hemingway. I'd forgotten about that. I only ever yeah. remember uh, Tom Tom Hiddleston. Uh, as, uh, as F. Scott Fitzgerald. As F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why do you hate Fitzgerald, man? Why do you, what's he ever done to you? What's Scott Fitzgerald? <laughs> F. Him. F. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's seriously the best joke in Ted 2. Yeah, that, totally. That and Ted Club will hang. And everything at the improv <laughs> club scene. But we can't talk about here because it's a family show. It's a family show. So we should start, of course, with the big news story of the mm. week, well, of the fortnight, really. So I'm going to let you take this away because something massive happened uh, regarding Pretty a film big. I've been dying to see made for oh, many man. years. Yeah, a lot of people have. So take it away, Mr. Allen. Okay, I think also Brian May has been dying to see this film. <laughs> being, no, being Brian made. May has been dying to see his version of this film. Now. That's it. So that's the reason why we're not getting Sasha Baron Cohen. It's true. And we're not getting Ben Whishaw. It was good. Very true. We're not getting Dominic Cooper, but we are going to get uh, Rami Malik as Freddie Mercury in the Freddie Mercury Queen biopic. And it's now got a title as well. They snuck this. Oh, I have not heard this. Have you not heard this? Not heard the this. title is Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that makes sense. I know. And you yeah. think the song. I, I've, I've heard that song. I, once I twice. was angling for uh, It's a Kind of Magic. Oh, that would have been good. That would have yeah. been a good time. Yeah. All, all the show must go on. All that the show must go on. That would be a good one. Yeah, but, but you know, in in any event, that is good, and it's also got a potential director. Uh, and he's he's, I didn't he's see not this. A, he's not a, a small name, is he? He's got no. quite a quite a larger scale it directorial is name. Brian Singer. Brian Singer. I didn't see that. I didn't of, see of that, the, coming that at all. little scene indie film series about those men of X. The men of X <laughs> would have been a much better title. <laughs> it would have been. Yeah. yeah so Brian Singer's going to do. Well, he's, he's, he's in talks. He's in talks to do it. Well, we have got the writer right. of the Theory of Everything is going to do the script. Yeah, last time that's, that's not a bad film. That's not a bad film at all. I hope they've given it because the whole thing. Sasha Baron Cohen walked out of the project um, when Brian May and Roger Taylor declared they wanted the story to be where Freddie Mercury died halfway through. Yeah, that that's like that's kind of a deal that's breaker. The start of your second act, I think. Yeah, then, that's, yeah. That's not really interesting for a film, though, is it? Because you're not going to see a Queen movie. You're going to see a Freddie Mercury movie. I wonder who's going to play Brian May and Roger Taylor, and also John Deacon. Everyone forgets about John Deacon. But they do, but right, he's not really one of the high-profile, you know, ones. That's is he? what he has chosen for himself. 
The only thing I can think is, you know, at the end of the film, the movie has to end with them uh, getting Adam Lambert or someone to play Adam Lambert over the end credits. Just, just get Adam Lambert. Oh, no, get Adam I... Devine to play Adam Lambert <laughs> over the end credits. I think he would have to go to the gym a little bit. <laughs> Probably. Drop, drop a few pounds and uh, maybe he, get some singles. He could lessons. do it. He could do it. I have faith. I do I, like him. I read that Jake Johnston lost 15 pounds to star in New Girl, so... Wait a minute. Did you did you say Adam Devine and you meant say Adam Levine? No, I meant Adam Devine. Oh, right. Yeah. It might be, yeah, okay. Yeah, he'd have to, sh- I know he'd have to shed some pounds, clearly. But, yeah, whereas Adam Levine would have to just show up. Just show yeah, up Adam and put, Le- put on a leather jacket and maybe some guy liner <laughs> and there you are. <laughs> Adam Levine? You know, in guy liner? Yeah. Never. <laughs> I, I really like Adam Lambert. I would like to see them do the new queen thing. I've not seen that yet. I think it was something, they'll have to do it towards the end of the film. But yeah, so Bohemian Rhapsody, Rami Malek, who's of course the star of Mr. Robot. Of course, I'm a yeah. huge fan of that he, show. He, he, won, he won a Golden Globe this year. For Deservedly so. Absolutely. He did, did he win the Emmy as well, I feel like? I don't know offhand. I'll be honest. No, I, I think I'm getting confused. He did win the Emmy. I'm not sure if he won the Golden Globe. Well, I love Mr. Robot, but to be honest, all my attention goes on uh, Mr. Slater. Mr. Christian Slater. Who, yeah, he's got a bit of a comeback. He, he's terrific in there. He's amazing. Yeah. And uh, we've not got any of that trademark Christian Slater sass in there, but it's it's close enough for my liking. I am expecting some Christian Slater-related film news just within the next 12 months. I can just expect he's gonna have a big something. Role. I think yeah. something big. He's going to turn up as like some second part, second string role in a Marvel movie. I was just going to say, it would be, like be like a commander in like, like Captain Marvel or yeah, something. something yeah. like that. I could, cool. I could totally see that. Yeah. He so, was in an episode of West Wing I watched yesterday. He was it? Yeah. I didn't remember. Mm. Should we do the first review of the week? Then? Yeah, why not? What do you have for me, sir? Let's talk about Arrival. Oh, yes. Uh, I cannot wait for this. I know you can't because it brings back one of our favourite directors at the moment. Denis. Uh, Denis. Denis, Denis. Denis, Denis, yeah. Uh, Denis, is it Villeneuve? I want to say. I've been saying Villeneuve. I'd say Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, who, of course, is currently hard at work on a, a big sequel to a little-known film. Uh, Running Blade. Running Blade. Running Blade. Uh, Not yeah. starring Wesley Snipes, unfortunately. <laughs> exactly. Well, he's apparently he's constructed the world's largest artificial waterfall for that, by the way. Oh, and uh, What a claim. <laughs> and, well, I know a guy that did a set visit. So... Oh. I you going to say, I know a guy that's number second. <laughs> second I, know, I know a guy that did a set visit for Blade Runner 2049, wow. and he said, well, they've constructed the world's largest artificial waterfall. I'm like, okay, that's cool. interesting. Don't mm. know how or why, but never mind. So, Denis Villeneuve, who most recently brought us Sicario. Mm. Uh, before that, we had Prisoners. Before that, we had Enemy. Enemy as well, yeah. Uh, uh, Incendies, I think, was his first. That was one as well. I don't well. know if it was his first or first, but was like the, kind of his, his mainstream well, this is this was debut. meant to be him writing and directing, but he didn't have time to the script, so he's passed this over to Eric Heisera, uh, Heisera, he- I think his name mm. is, who not really a big name in screenwriting, he's mostly known for horror films, sort of mm. low rent horror remakes and things like that. Uh, wrote Lights Out most recently, and he's adapted the uh, the short story by Ted Chiang, Story of Your Life. He's blown it up into a full-length feature narrative. It stars Amy Adams, who, you know, apparently isn't in enough films these days. <laughs> We've had two in two She's weeks. in two in two weeks, yeah. In two in two weeks. Uh, stars Amy Adams, stars Jeremy Renner, stars Forrest Whitaker. The three come together when a, a dozen alien ships arrive on Earth and just park themselves at different points around the Earth's surface, mere metres above the ground. So we're talking about like five to ten metres above the ground these ships have parked. And they don't send out a signal or anything, they simply sit there and wait. And 
what are they doing here? This is the question. That sounds pretty ominous. Exactly. So, Forrest Whitaker, who's playing an army general, straight out of the Tommy Lee Jones playbook, by the way. Just, just weird, because you can just imagine this being Tommy Lee yeah, Jones. Yeah, where was Tommy Lee Jones that day? Was, I, he just, was he busy? I think he was oh, just yeah. busy doing it for another film. Fair enough. Doing yeah. that role for another film. So he said, okay, just call Forrest. And so Forrest assembles one of the world's best linguists. That's a film I want to see, Forrest Assembles. Forrest Assembles. One of the world's best linguists, Amy Adams, and one of the world's best, math- best mathematicians... Who is Jeremy Renner? So yes, Jeremy Renner is believably playing a mathematician. Get over it. And, and the, the trio go over to Montana, where the nearest alien ship is parked, and try to make contact with aliens from another world, and basically answer the one defining question that anyone has any interest in knowing, which is frankly, why are you here? And of course, we have a clip to this effect. Language is the foundation of civilization. It is the glue that holds the people together. It is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. Louise, this is uh, Ian Donnelly. Louise Banks, Ian Donnelly. That's quite a greeting. Yeah, well, you wrote it. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you write as a preface. Uh, dazzle them with the basics. Yeah, it's great. Even if it's wrong. It's wrong. Well, the cornerstone of civilization isn't language, it's science. Ian is a theoretical physicist from Los Alamos. You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him. When you're in the show. That's what they call him, the UFO. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? Right, first and foremost, I loved this film. Genuinely didn't expect it to be as brilliant as it was. Mm. What, it, what it is, it's part of this ongoing wave. We've been trying a lot this century to perfect the idea of let's do an alien first contact film and we'll use it to explore the human condition. You know, that old chestnut. Interstellar uh, is the most recent attempt Absolutely, to do something yeah. like that. And Interstellar, you know, visually works, you know, worked in terms of spectacle, didn't quite work on the narrative. It front. gets a bit it's, murky. It yeah. does a that lot. was actually the film I watched on the way back. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, now we know. Well, how did it fare? on a much smaller screen by the way I, I did fall asleep did you fall asleep I fell asleep uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of critics who said I, they fell asleep as I, well, I, so. I fell asleep and then woke up because I just said <laughs> so this is closer if anything this is closest to if you can imagine a combination of Robert Zemeckis' contact yep and is it Barry Levinson's sphere I think it's Barry Levinson's yeah, 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 yeah. sphere. So just Dustin Hoffman, yeah? Yeah, the Dustin yeah, Hoffman yeah, one. Yeah. Where they're, they're under, the, under the sea, the mm-hmm. alien ship on the, on the ocean bed. This is like those two fused together, but about three times as entertaining. Amy Adams is superb in the lead. Jeremy Renner and Forrest Whitaker are fantastic supports. Um, great cinematography. Uh, did you say it was Bradford Young, I believe? Bradford Young, yeah. He's uh, going to do a young Han Solo film. Exactly. And well, do you know yeah. what? I'm Can't excited wait. about that now because the visuals in this are great. Denis Villeneuve brings serious energy, serious, just fluid motion, intensity, yeah. and he genuinely makes you, he visually arrests you, even when his scenes involve nothing more than his cast members stood mm. around banks of monitors. It is <laughs> genuinely gripping and genuine understanding. Um, Eric Hesser has expanded what is effectively a short story into something genuinely all-encompassing and interesting. The plot is a little bit predictable. You can sort of see what's coming. There's, there is a twisty element that... You know, it does surprise, but you know, again, underwhelms. And on another hand, it is something that will intrigue you. I, I do mm. think it's one of the best science fiction films we've had. For my money, it's the best science fiction film I've mainstream science fiction film I've seen since Sunshine or Snowpiercer. Would you say it's the best sci-fi this year so far? 
of this year, more than likely. More yeah. than likely. I think I think when, when the chips are down at the end of this year, I think we will be talking about this in the best of list. Because we are getting to the stage now where we're going back, we're having to review, and we'll be compiling our lists. We'll be really compiling soon. our lists. And, so, yeah, uh, oh, interesting. Reminds me, there was one while you were away that... Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we did get to review Train to Busan, didn't we? We reviewed that, and I've not seen it yet. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm going to send you the screen link for it. Um, yeah, that is that's going to be on mine. Oh, I think I towards the end of the year. I can't wait. But oh, before we uh, before we do the jump, then let's uh, do our plugs real quick because we've got the podcast edition. Uh, pop on to uh, Acast, iTunes, Deezer, tune SoundCloud, in. tune in any uh, podcast platform <clears> of your choice. Type in off screen and get the expanded, extended podcast edition of this show, which this week is going to include the box office top ten because there was so much from when we were away that we just put it in the podcast extras and give it the due diligence it deserves. You know, yeah, because yeah, I don't like to shortchange. Yeah, and I can't, I can't possibly condense all my thoughts on a street cat named Bob into 30 seconds. And I'm sure there are a lot. And there are thoughts. It was a very intellectually pressing film. Yeah. Um, also, competitions to plug, because they're like buses, you know. We We've didn't not have had one. one for a while. Not one for a while. Now we've got three. We've got three now. <laughs> Just like buses. Just like buses. Yeah. So, um, Just like a bus being driven by John Mullen. Exactly. John Cause... Mullen? It's John Mullen from Hector. Oh, right. Peter Mullen. Peter, uh, Peter Mullen. <laughs> I was getting confused with his brother, but he might have. He might have a John. Beyond. We don't know. I might have a brother named John. Uh, Peter Mullen, of course, stars in Hector, as you point out. Hector uh, is one of the films we're giving away in our competition. That was almost so. a seamless segue. Almost. Almost. You, you, Never you, mind. You were so close, We've guys. been away for Fortnite. <laughs> give, me, give me a break. <laughs> so go, go on to onscreenfilm.com. Go into our competition section. And you have a chance to win DVDs of Hector. You have a chance to win DVDs of Elstree 1976, which we're going to be reviewing later in the show. You can win DVDs of Now You See Me 2, which hits DVD this coming Monday, the 14th. And that's in the film news as well, I believe, at some point later. Yes, it will be. Um, yeah, so onscreenfilm.com. Go on the competition section, enter your details, and win some swag. Who doesn't want swag? Swag's awesome. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. So, Mr. Connor, yeah. while I was away, you were doing something pretty exciting, wasn't you? I did. Just, just listen to the, to the Jurassic Park. Brilliant segue there, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the Royal See, Albert sometimes Hall. I can do them. <laughs> it's true. I went to the Royal Albert Hall and saw Jurassic Park with a with a performance by the London Philharmonic. Yeah. How and, was that? And that was mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. And, uh, I bet it was. I got a little misty-eyed at the Brachiosaurus Welcome to Jurassic Park bit. I'm not ashamed to admit. And, well, uh, I, I do every time I just watch it on just a normal normal TV, let alone having a Philharmonic Orchestra. And, and one thing you're really going to love, by the way, is What's if you that? bought the programme, it uh, not only contained basically the making of Jurassic Park right. and a guide to the dinosaurs, it also contained a four-page How Well Do You Know Jurassic Park quiz. So... Have, have you got it here? <laughs> I've not got it here. I'm going to test I, I will, my skills. I'll, I'll get it for you at the weekend. We'll have a look. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, Okay, so what have we got next, then? What are we going to cover next? Um, American Pastoral. American this Pastoral. This is uh, Ewan McGregor. This is Ewan McGregor's yeah. directorial debut. Mm. And he took over from Philip Noyce on this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, Philip Noyce was in line to, I can't say, ever since Key and Peele, his, his name just amuses me because Noyce. <laughs> um, so Philip Noyce was going to direct this. It's based on the uh, Philip Roth novel from 1997, which won a Pulitzer Prize at the mm. time. Uh, it's the story of, <laughs> just, just bear with me because this is going to stretch credibility a little bit and then we're going to play a clip, okay? So this is the story of a former high school football star, a Jewish American man named uh, Swede Lvov, and uh, how he uh, he married his high school sweetheart, the town 
beauty queen, played by Jennifer Connelly, and he then took over his father's uh, successful glove-making business. Um, his wife became a sort of stay-at-home farmer, started raising cows, and they had a daughter, Meredith, who in the future, as she grows up, is going to get played by Dakota Fanning, who can still play a teenager, it turns out. How old is she now? 35? Uh, it must be by now. Yeah, yeah she's still playing. I think she's just older Convincing, than me. Huh? Convincingly a teenager still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought <laughs> Elle Fanning was the only one that could do it still, but Dakota's... Dakota as well. Dakota looks a decade older than Elle now. Worth pointing out. And uh, basically, Meredith grows up with a speech impediment that sort of leaves her an outsider, as it were. And because she's an outsider, she becomes sort of a prime target for the rising anti-war movement and the protests against the war in Vietnam. She then is implicated in the bombing of her small-town post office as a form of protest and disappears shortly afterwards. And her disappearance basically leads to the unravelling of both of her parents in different ways. So the mum, for instance, uh, loses her identity and spirals off into becoming a society girl, which her daughter had always accused her of being. Um, whereas uh, Seymour, or Swede, who's played by Ewan McGregor, basically becomes obsessed purely with what happened to his daughter and just strives to find her at any cost, whether or not she wants to be found. And we have a clip of the events leading up to her disappearance. You want to protest the war? Protest it right here in Old Rim Rock. What am I going to do, march around the post office? Bring the war home, isn't that the slogan? Look, they gave me this award. It's just a stupid plaque, but it means one thing. If you take a stand, people notice. If you oppose the war, right here, with all your strength, this is part of America too, you know. Read Marx. Revolutions don't begin in the countryside. We're not talking about revolution. You're not talking about revolution. You think about what I'm saying. Leave it to Ewan McGregor, right, to uh, use his directorial debut to miscast himself. Because that's basically what you've got here. And yeah. well, you heard the accent. I certainly did, but there's no escaping it. <laughs> there's no escaping that accent. Yeah. And here's the weird part. He, gets, he seems to get... Um, John Romano, who I, I don't know as a writer, has written the screenplay to this. Bear in mind, this man has Pulitzer Prize winning material to draw from. <laughs> He has some... But first of all, all of the characters in it are well-served, except for the central one, except for Ewan McGregor, who gets some of the worst dialogue you've heard this year. And then you've got Ewan McGregor doing it with that weird accent, and he just trips up and he stumbles, and it doesn't make a whole heap of sense, and you've got some really awful prosthetic makeup effects, because the character has to age from his teenage years to pension years, we get to see it all. And... You come away from it thinking, wow, the supporting cast were great. Ewan mm. McGregor's a great director. I was just going to say, how was his chops as a director? He's, he, do you know what? Great director. Because he's, he's been doing it long enough as an actor that he would have picked up from... I mean, some of the people that he's worked with. This is Danny it. Boyle and... Yeah. You look, though, at the talent he's assembled for this film. Have you got the IMDb page up by any chance? I can get it up. Right, because I'm trying to remember the name of the cinematographer on this. Is the cinematographer from The Keeping Room. And I think it's Mark Rue. I think offhand. Uh, really great choice because he really keeps it lively and interesting. You've also got Alexandra Dupla as. Oh, really? Yes. The always oh. welcome Alexandra Dupla. Of course, yeah. He's, he's up there with uh, Michael Giacchino. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Now, if anything, I will say this is one of his more, more sort of forgettable, more blending in kind of as kind of a score. But. The point is, Ewan Gregor has done something decent with this. The only problem is, the story is very predictable, his performance is rubbish, and you come away from it thinking that really didn't work. As a result, he himself sinks his own film. 
And that's a crying shame. You need to look mm. at... There are directors who know when to step away from their films. Because Mel Gibson did not cast himself as Jesus in The Passion of the Christ for a very specific reason. It would have sunk that film like a sack of bricks. Yeah, and given what else happened around that time <laughs> as well... Okay, let's not, go, <laughs> let's not go there. Although, would he have had more of a leg to stand on? <laughs> Just think about that. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Or a leg to hang on. But anyway... I'm waiting to see Hacksaw Ridge, and then, I'll, the then I can welcome the second coming of Gibson. <laughs> Oh, wow, we really went there. Yeah, we did. Okay, but this is the problem. Ewan McGregor sinks his own film, and you look at this and you think, this really... Do you know who would have actually been interesting in this? Donald Gleeson. Donald Gleeson would yeah, have been terrific in this, and it is that he kind of He does a role. great American accent as well. He does, and not just a great American accent. He can adapt it to wherever his character is meant to be from. Yeah, exactly. And I would have liked to have seen something of that calibre in there. Ewan McGregor is the worst thing about his own film. Go and figure. Um, sorry, by the way, you were correct about... It was Martin uh, Rue. Yeah, about Martin Rue. And he's done some pretty interesting work as well. He was a cinematographer on a film called um, uh, Control. That I really, oh, really love. is that the, the Ian Curtis? Ian Curtis or? Joy Division film, yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, Harry Brown. With... <laughs> How did we forget that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because mm. when, I was, when I was reviewing The Keeping Room, it, it has the director, it's the director of Harry Brown. Yeah, the director this is as well. Pretty interesting work. Yeah. So, give me something news-wise then before we talk about. I'll the give Star you some Wars news. Yeah, I'm going to give to you, my friend. Go I'm on. Give you a trifecta of frequent news. Frequent news. Frequent, because uh, I can't say th words correctly. Oh, okay. Go on. Yeah. So three spelt with a number three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So cool. let's kick it off with Sherlock Holmes three. Sherlock oh, Holmes the third. I heard about this. Yeah, they uh, have assembled a writers' room because Robert Downey Jr. really wants this sequel. He really does, and why not? It's a pretty. Exciting franchise. It'll game. make it's, money, won't it? It'll Let's make be money. And the other two did pretty well. I I quite like them. I thought the sequel was better than the, than I, the I first one. I thought the second one. one was better than the first, yeah. A yeah. Game of Shadows. Game of Shadows, yeah. yeah. Game of Shadows way better than the first one. Well, same with the guy that did Moriarty. Oh, Jared, Jared Harris. I thought that was fantastic. Because uh, there are rumours that there's going to be young Dumbledore in Fantastic Beast mm. 2, and there is a whole thing online about trying to get Jared Harris to it do it. It would make sense. His dad it, was Dumbledore. Fantastic, wouldn't it? It would be in fantastic yeah. casting. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that is definitely in the works. Um, some that you hinted at earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Now You See Me Free, or Now You Free Me. Now You I... Free Me. Do you yep. know who's writing that? No, I don't. The two Give writers me. of San Andreas 2. Oh, you are joking. No. The thing is, we weren't going to get a Now You See Me 3. They, were go- they, had, it, they had it sort of on the books, but yeah. they recycled it into a Chinese spin-off instead because the second one made more money in China. But now, not That's only are we happens. getting that Chinese spin-off, we're getting a third one as well. So, yeah. well, there we are. We've got get, a whole universe. Get Dwayne Rock Johnson to be the big bad. <laughs> She's getting to be like a big muscly hologram. Pulling a rock out of a hat, as it were. (laughs) And the third. Third and final of our three calls. Most exciting. Go on. The first to fall was Olympus. Oh, of course. And then London fell. And now... Angel has fallen. It's true, isn't it? It's uh, and this was the, this broke the day after we did the last show as well, which was yeah, and really we annoying. To talk about it for those two weeks. So here we are. Here's our brief chance to do so. I didn't so, realize yeah, Angel that, has fallen. I didn't realize that Angel's the code name of Air Force One because you mm. mentioned it to me. Oh, it's just gonna be like Air Force One, like oh, it how? Is. And I didn't realize it's the code name of Air Force but One. But he is gonna be the target. Joe Butler's character is gonna be the target. Exactly. And yeah. What what is not to love about? That? I mean, it's going to be absolute Oh, it's going to be fun, fun as hell. Yeah, it's going to be fun, but terrible. It's also <laughs> the first ever Die Hard knockoff to become a trilogy. Because, oh, wow. Because you know, if, you, if you look back on all those films, oh. some of them have had sequels. Speed got a sequel, for instance. Yeah. But Speed never made it to a trilogy. Under Siege? Under, well, oh, yeah. Under Siege never made it to a trilogy. 
But uh, good work, Gerald. Good work, Gerald. Good work, Gerard. Gerald. 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 (laughs) Gerald Butler. Gerard. Gerald Butler. It's it's a slightly sexier name, Gerald. Slightly sexier, (laughs) Gerald Butler. So let's talk about something that's uh, not quite in the sexy spectrum. Let's talk really quickly about uh, Elstree 1976, which is sexy to me because I'm a Star Wars aholic. So Mm. you're you're a bit of a Star Wars Star Wars fan as well, I believe. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple of those those uh, Star Wars films. Well, this has been a long time coming. They've been advertising this since just before The Force Awakens came out. and Because obviously Star Wars now has a whole resurgence. This is a documentary very much about the the unappreciated background players of the original Star Wars, mm. who, you know, obviously all worked in Elstree, Elstree Studios, in 1976. Comes to us from uh, documentary maker John Spira, and it features amongst loads of uh, faces you'd recognise from, like, single lines here and there throughout, mm. the, throughout the movie. And, of course, none other than David Prowse. Who is you know the definitive unappreciated artist yeah. of Star Wars, and this just takes us through what the experience has been like for them, not only working on it in the first place, but also how it's added to and affected their lives since. And you can vaguely imagine mm. what that entails. Um, can I can I just ask? Is uh, Porkins is he involved? In any there is capacity? no Porkins in this. I'm very I'm very sorry to say. Didn't Porkins only come in the second in Empire? Oh yeah, you yeah. are right. Sorry, but sorry. This only. So this hope, only hopefully, in the first one. we will get a sequel to this and get just about Porkins. I, I think so. Let's get uh, Elstree nineteen seventy nine, and oh, they, they could get just a Kickstarter campaign going. I think so because uh, oh, Jeremy Bullock does appear in this. Oh really? As you know, Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're we're going to play a clip actually. This is David Prowse talking about uh, one of the bigger mysteries of casting the Star Wars universe. I mean, I did all the acting and I did all the dialogue all the way through the movie. We used to say to George, you know, what are we going to do about the dialogue because everything I'm saying. Is coming through the mask and is no good for reproduction purposes, you know. And he used to say, well, you know, don't, don't worry about it. We're going to the sound studios and re-record all your dialogue at the end of the movie. So I automatically assumed that it was me that was going to go into the sound studio to re-record all my dialogue. And then, of course, what happened was we, we finished the movie. They chased back to America because they couldn't get all the special effects that they wanted in the UK. And then when they were back in America, they suddenly obviously realized that they had an overdubbed than the overdubbing, and it was much obviously cheaper then to employ any voiceover artist um, rather than fly me all the way over from London to Hollywood just to overdub half a dozen lines or whatever, however much I had. And unfortunately for me, um, they couldn't have picked a better actor to overdub my lines than James Earl Jones. I mean, if you've got to get someone, yeah, you might as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I hear his West Country accent just think, <laughs> yeah, James Earl Jones could do uh, that West Country accent better. But, uh, <laughs> of course, because that's one of the most iconic things about Darth Vader is, is the voice. I mean, have you ever seen the footage of Darth Vader with David Prowse's voice? Yeah, it is It's unsettling. strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, It doesn't suit it. And you start thinking, I don't get how this was ever a consideration. But, you know, fair play to David Prowse, because he makes it very clear in this documentary, which includes that footage, by the way, mm. he makes it very clear um, this is how he makes his living now. That he's, he's basically reached an age where he can't really do the acting work. But this... Just go to conventions. Exactly, and, but this, yeah. pay, this pays the bills. This has paid his mortgage. He's going to keep doing it forever. And fair play to him. I will say, it's the uh, best look at David Prowse I've ever seen on screen before. Really? This, uh, yeah, very much. The thing with this is, if you've ever gone to sci-fi conventions, which you and I have done a couple together. A couple of times, yeah. yeah I've done it as like press and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And you see the guests who are there, and it's always these guys, you always see these guys from Star Wars who are like, you know, the third lieutenant who had one line. <laughs> yeah. And you recognise most of these guys. It's bizarre. Even like just background stormtroop, background lieutenants, and you know, the guys in the Imperial uniforms. Hmm. And you think, oh, this is actually kind of intriguing, because hmm. it's nice to hear these guys actually get to tell their stories, because we see them all the time. Absolutely. But people do want to see them back, which is really nice. Fans true. are really respectful. 
And the, the thing with this, I mean, this is getting a limited uh, theatrical release. It's rolling out. It's sort of an event screening thing. Mm. So it's taking like one day here, one day there. Uh, if you go on their website, you can get the whole list of where it is touring. But it's actually going to DVD on the, I think it's the 20th, either 40th or 21st. All right. On the 21st. Um, and it is worth a watch. I, it, it's short and sweet. It's, you know, 90 minute mark. It's a it's seamless, pleasant documentary. There is a brief period where one of the cast members does try taking it into murkier terrain about who's in entitled to what um but other than that it is it's a very nice very affectionate look at this world of you know of the star wars background artist i really enjoyed it and it's one of those things that i really think should actually be included with future star wars box sets but i, which I think just, it's just like a little extra i think it little should bonus. i think it should be on a disc with you know and one of the 12 bonus discs that you get in the next star wars box set this should be on there and i can't really think of a higher compliment for it than that with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, where shall we go next, Mr. Ellen? We shall go to Panic. <laughs> we shall go to Panic. Yeah. Um, which is this really nifty little uh, little sort of low-budget British thriller. Yeah, I don't know too much about it, so set the scene. Well, me. it pitches itself as basically rear window on a council estate, in a council yeah. tower block, if you can imagine such a thing. It stars uh, David Garassi, who is an actor you do know. You will know I him. I am on IMDb right now. You don't even need IMDb. I'll just tell you where you know him from. Go on. He's from Interstellar. He's the guy they leave on the ship for like 50 years whilst they're on the planet. You know, they go back up and yeah. he's like, I've been here for 50 years. Mm. Because David Guy. Pretty good impression. This well, that's it. That's his American accent because yeah. I know him from a TV series recently called Containment in mm. which his voice is strangely like this. And then you hear him speak with a British accent. Oh my God, wow. We've got another one of those later, by the way. Actor you did not know was British. You're going to blow your mind. I'm not, I'm an not actor kidding. I didn't know was British? An actor you did not know was I'm British. I'm going to go to the list and see if No, I no, don't, don't do it. I want to surprise you later. <laughs> don't, don't spoil yourself. I'm going to surprise you later. Okay. But yeah, David Gayassi, um, who plays a, an, a borderline agoraphobic music journalist. He's doing his interviews over the phone, you know, all working from home, because he's suffered an attack. He's, he's, had, he's been the victim of a violent attack. Um, one night, whilst having a discussion discreet liaison with a woman he's met through a casual dating site. Um, he witnesses the the potential attack of his, his neighbour from across the way through the binoculars in his window, mm. because why wouldn't you have those? And uh, he sets about investigating exactly what has befallen this woman, a Chinese woman named Kem. Here's a clip. You said you worked in a gallery. You didn't say you owned it. I didn't say a lot of things. What do you want? We have to go to the police. We? You. You've got to tell them what you saw. No. This is my life. Do you understand that? I've got a lot to lose. So's Kem. Kem. The girl you saw. David Gaiassi there and Pippa Nixon, who I really liked in this. I was shocked mm. to find out, actually, I didn't know her from anything on screen. I, she seemed familiar to it. It turned out the reason I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with her is because she's been on literally every Shakespeare poster on the underground for the last God knows how many years. That is the truth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually know who she was. It turns out I just recognised mm. her from the Shakespeare posters, every Shakespeare production you've seen in London recently. Um, and I very, much, uh, I very much enjoyed this, actually. It is a stripped-down 
down, you know, gritty street level thriller. Um, it does owe, it owes its initial concept to Rear Window. There's no doubting that, but it does become its own thing. It it veers into the territory that, to be honest, you kind of see in a lot of director DVD Liam Neeson movies. If you can imagine such a thing, um, but it's uh, it was intriguing. I did I did get into it. I was gripped by. I think it ended a little. Uh, a little abruptly for my liking. Mm. I would have liked more resolution in the end, but his performance in particular I thought was terrific. I thought David Gaston was great in this. Mm. Really intriguing, really, it sound really, good. really solid performance. And, and you said that he's a gentleman who comes uh, from London. Uh, yes, yes, I did. Okay, uh, like a certain werewolf. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. You, are you referring to hmm. that American werewolf, perhaps? I am. I was referring to the old one, but we're going to be getting a, a new, new one. one. We are going to be getting a new yeah. one. And what's what's the most exciting? Well, intriguing part this of this, not exciting. Yeah. Um, so the original, obviously, John Landis, who I saw a few weeks ago in a and a You did, yes. Yeah. How was that, by Just the way? Just dropped it in. Incredible. Incredible. So good. So, so many stories. Um, his son, Max Landis, is going to be writing and directing. This is going to be his first film as a director. I think it's his first one as a director. I think it is his check. first one. Oh, no, didn't he direct uh, American Ultra, I want to say? He didn't direct American Ultra. Oh, he wrote no. it. Uh. Oh, he might have done me, him, her, actually. I'm not sure. I just know uh-huh. that everything he's touched since Chronicle has been awful. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's not been best. Yes, he did a film called me, him, her in uh, 2015 as a director. But this is, I would say, his first big one as a, as a, as a director. But uh, yeah, that's pretty intriguing. That's isn't intriguing, it? isn't it? Doing your own yeah. dad's film. Yeah, but, yeah, fair enough. I wish that, oh, man, I wish that news was announced a few weeks ago. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I know it would have been great, wouldn't it? Hey, John, what is your feeling about remakes? What are you feeling about your son remaking your film? <laughs> Yeah, he must have like given him his blessing. I'm sure. Well, just a real quick plug then mm. for uh, for Francophonia, which is the latest documentary from Alexander Sukarov. Okay. Um, is it about James Franco? It is not. It is, although you know, I can't help but feel James Franco <sighs> in a Francophonia himself, T-shirt would be amazing, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, like Francophobia T-shirt. Francophobia. Yeah, oh. Francophobia. I'm scared of James Franco, but uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am a little bit scared of James Franco. I'm actually more scared of Dave Franco because Dave Franco managed to uh, talk Alison Brie into dating him, which clearly means he is a wizard. And then it led so, to marriage. Yeah, which clearly means he is a wizard. Absolutely, he will be announced a Fantastic Beast for any minute. Because he is clearly a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Frank Fonnick, which is the uh, say documentary and a story about the Louvre. And it's it focuses quite heavily on the history of the Louvre throughout World War Two and the efforts that were made to protect it from basically the, Nazi, the sort of Nazi occupation and safeguard all the collections and also where some of the art wound up and so on and so forth. Um, this one, not an awful lot to say on this one, to be honest. It's a very dry documentary, very much a case of... You know what? If you're not the kind of person who would have willingly watched this on BBC Four, you're probably not going to enjoy this on the cinema screen either. Um, lovely to look at, but then again, you know, it is all classical artwork for the most part. And, you know, what's really going to go wrong with that? Um, I learned a couple of interesting little things about this. Some little tidbits here and there that you think, okay, interesting interesting bit of history in there. But I didn't really think there, w- there wasn't a full, you know, 90 minute documentary in this for me. Uh, this is this is a 45 minute special on BBC Four at best. Yeah. I don't really say Something you check out on the iPlayer. Something you. you does, it has got iPlayer written all <laughs> over it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show.
And we are back in dancing. Hey, we have a film that we're going to be reviewing next week. Next I week, yeah, next yeah. week will be the one. Yeah. So, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, is uh, what it's called. Uh, which, which is apparently um, in the uh, much depleted uh, bank account of Warner Brothers. That's where you find them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Somewhere next to Gringotts, I believe. Somewhere next to Somewhere Gringotts. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they are planning. Is it five films in total? Five, they're going to be five Fantastic Beasts. There's movies, got, yeah. There's eight Harry Potters. Five, five of these, and then we'll have two or three cursed children afterwards. <laughs> of course, of course. That's going to be the thing. And that takes us up to, is it 2024? Oh, ten years of these. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be ten years of these starting now. So it'll be 2024. Yeah. So basically, just hope you are a fan of these films. Yeah. And hope the next one is good. I hope it's good. Because I hope so. The next one, we've got a little bit of casting news. And it you know it is quite a big piece of casting news, actually. Well, it's not just casting news for the next one. It is also this one it's in got, a way. Yeah. It's going to be like a brief cameo, and then maybe in some future ones as well. So, Johnny Depp. He's <laughs> Johnny ca- Depp. Yeah, he has uh, reportedly been cast as uh, Grindelwald, which is quite a big name in the whole... Uh, um, this is it. They have established uh, him in the yeah. actual Harry Potter movies. Mm. I mean, obviously the books flash that out, but um, in the actual movies, we, he has been seen as well. He's he has. He's played by the name? actor whose name I can never remember. He's in uh, Sweeney Todd. He sings yeah. the song Joanna. Joanna. <laughs> but yeah. Yes, but that's that's pretty big news. That's pretty big news. Yeah. Johnny Depp's going to be effectively the uh, the Voldemort mm, of this. So he's, he's going to be fight. like a big dark wizard. Well, he's so, got the Elder One. That's he, all I know. He's got the Elder he's One. Got the elder and one. He's, and a, he's got an army. He's had a relationship with Dumbledore, and that's the other piece of news about Fantastic Beasts. We are reportedly uh, casting for a uh, young Dal- uh, younger Dumbledore, um, yeah. Dumbledore for, yeah, for the, for the next Albus. one. Apparently, yeah. as well, Ezra Miller has a small role in, in Fantastic Beasts. Going to have a much bigger one in the sequel. That's good because you don't want to waste an actor of his caliber. No. That's why I always yeah. thought we should have had a sequel, a train wreck, and and given him more to do. Yeah, it was so well. like it was so nice to see him <laughs> and Tilda Swinton in that film together. It really was after seeing what, where we we need to talk about Kevin. It was it was terrifying to see them together. But... Yeah, <laughs> it was like, what is he going to do? Don't give him a crossbow. <laughs> don't, don't trust him, and don't give him anything that can be used no. as a weapon. But uh, yeah, so Joey Depp, do you think this is a good thing? Uh, I think it is a good thing because I I still would call myself a fan of Johnny Depp despite recent. It's weird, isn't it? The, the, the kind of Mel Gibsoning that has been happening to Johnny Depp and to Brad Pitt. Mm. That's, yeah, it's it's strange at the effect that it's going to have on their careers. Yeah, I mean, even years, outside of that, I mean, because David Heyman has turned around and said, "Look, we don't we don't care about anything that's going off in the tabloids. We it's, think Johnny Depp's a fantastic character. actor. Yeah, and you know, fair enough. If he's right for part, he's right for part. I've I've not written it. You've not written it. Well, what surprises so... me the most about casting Johnny Depp is he is the most high profile name I think ever associated with anything to do with the Harry Potter brand. Yeah, they've been iconic actors, and pe- but they've not and people, movie stars. Well, people that have become movie stars. Oh yeah, whilst I mean, being through it, yeah. Like the biggest names really att- attached to Harry Potter were there from the beginning, mm. and they were sort of the lower level supporting characters. Um, and, it, and it was people like Alan Rickman, who's yeah. obviously a big name, but never just like an absolute megastar. In terms Maggie of star, Smith yeah, look and, at yeah. the star power, and you think arguably the biggest name is probably what Kenneth Branagh. Maybe yeah, from a uh, second yeah. one. Yeah. So this is this is taking added value element to a whole new level. This is yeah, this is definitely some news. But um, next week we're going to be we're going to talk about it next week, is it? It's it's going to be next week. Uh, Fantastic Beast, yeah. Yeah. We've so got um, uh, Eddie Redmayne, um, Eddie Redmayne, Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, yeah. uh, Dan Carmen Yogo. Yeah, is it Dan Fogelman? Dan Fogel. I like him quite a bit. Uh, we've yeah. got. Try to think who else is it? Catherine Waterston is the female lead in it. Uh, I'm going Ezra to reveal Milderson. something a little bit. 
stupid on my part. Go on. I did not realise she was the daughter of Sam Watts. Did you not? <laughs> She's um, not got these eyebrows. <laughs> what was the film she did? Oh, it was... Uh... She was in uh, Steve Jobs. No, no, no. Inherent Before Vice? Steve Jobs. Inherent Vice, yeah. that was the one. That's where I discovered she was like Sam Waterston. And she is going to be uh, in the new Aliens film. Yes, well. she is. Uh, in she's Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah, which absolutely. is starting to intrigue me. Oh, mm. I've got a little bit of film news. Sorry to steal your thunder. That's fine. Um, a little bit of film news from while you're away. Um, here's one for you. Michael Fassbender is not is yeah. playing not one but two androids. Oh, I didn't know that. In Alien Covenant. Oh, nice. Well, because think about it. So he, they, he, they turn up at the David. planet. He was David, wasn't he? He was David. Yeah. They turn up at the planet. He's the only person on it. And he's just ahead. Well, how's he moving around? Because last time we saw him, he's just ahead. Oh, right. The answer is there's two of him. One's called Walter. So there is Walter and there is David. Oh, incredible. I wonder and why those are the names I went for. Yeah, if some kind they of don't trust each other, apparently, because they're different <sighs> generations. So oh, I like that. I'm, I'm already... I'm, I'm intrigued. intrigued. I also want to see Danny McBride in that caliber film. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he's going to be the pilot, isn't he? Well, I mean, no one thought Rafe Spall had any business being in Prometheus, but... That know. is true. Hey, how do you go from... Uh, from Idris Elba being your pilot to Danny, Mc... to Danny McBride. That's, that's well, crazy. Yeah. I would imagine arguably the worst flight recruitment agency ever. Probably. <laughs> but you know what? Idris Elba's still getting some work. He and is. he is in 100 Streets. He is in. Well, this is the thing. It's written as 100 Streets. You you are a master of the segue. You, you're, like, oh, you're like the I'm Kevin James of segways. That's what it is. Is that a compliment or... I don't think it it's is. More an, it's more an acknowledgement that Paul Blart Mallcop exists. You see that Kevin James has got a Netflix original film. Yes. True Memoirs of an International Assassin. Mm. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Um, Presumably that's come through the Adam Sandler deal. It, it has, I think. Yeah. But let's talk really quickly about 100 Streets, which is actually yeah. uh, actually spoken aloud as 100 Streets. It changed its oh, title right. from 100 Streets to, to 100 Streets. Street. Right, so this is an ensemble, multi-narrative drama. It stars in its varying different storylines, which mm. are all intertwined and they all intersect at different points. They don't directly affect one another, but characters from one story will walk past a character in another, for instance. So... Your first storyline involves Idris Elba as a former England rugby captain who's now doing that thing they all do when he's, you know, spending his life raising money for charity and inspiring the youth of today. However, he is also a hedonistic alcoholic with a drug problem and a patient for beautiful, scantily clad women. All of which does not jibe with his relationship with his wife, played by Gemma Arterton, whom he has cheated on, because this is fiction. Why and did you cheat on Gemma Arterton? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so we've got this storyline going off. He's trying to repair his relationship with Gemma Arts and she's uh, she's got a relationship going with an old flame mm. that she's trying to keep secret and you know he's unraveling as she's trying to find herself there's that element there's another storyline with Charlie Creed Miles where he's a cab driver who's trying to adopt a baby with his wife but his past and a new a, a new hit and run accident that he, he wanders into happened to destroy that for him and the, the psychological effects of that and, last but by no means least, is a storyline about a young uh, London drug dealer um, played by Franz Drame, whom we, of course, may know better from Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, in which he plays Firestorm. It's Firestorm! And, yes, get this, he's British. I didn't know this, he is actually British. Oh, really? yeah, and so, when you hear him speak, it's the freakiest thing, if you know him as having that voice from the TV show. So this show. is the guy that you were This is the guy I was tormenting yes, about. And, and this is about his attempts to basically get out of the life, as it were. And he does so through his friendship with Ken Stott, who's a local cemetery worker. And I, the I just of... realised he's in... Um... Uh, Attack the Block. As he well. is in of Attack course. the Block. That's, I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't remember him from Attack the Block. That's a good one. Yeah, well, I need to rewatch it again. I think because yeah. I I seem to like it less than most people. Hmm. But right. um, Ken Ken Stott, you said this Ken is Stott awesome. is also yeah. in it. he's the century worker who basically becomes like a, a friend slash mentor. He's a really good character to our, to our would be firestorm. He is great, isn't he? Yeah. So let's have a let's have a trailer clip real quick then. 
Life's pretty simple, you know. See you later. It's long periods of waiting broken up by brief moments of change. The moments of change... Mum! ...define you. And that'll be the only thing you're remembered for. You were a legend, Nate. Sort yourself out. I made a mistake. You made more than one. They say some nine to five where you can just stand in your notice. If you lose respect, that's a problem, isn't it? That voice narrating there, that was Franz Drame. That is Firestorm. Believe it or not, that is his actual accent. I was mind blown as well. I could see your face as it was coming along as well. Um, yeah, so let's, let's whenever we're belittling Ewan McGregor for his American accent, let's think of Firestorm and, and just give him a silent, unacknowledged round of applause. And well done, sir. Yeah, just a silent well nod done. of appreciation. Nod of appreciation for you, Franz. Um, actually, I thought he was really good in this. I thought he and Charlie Creed Miles are genuinely great in this. Idris Elba and Gemma Arterton are kind of slumming it, to be honest. Although, you know, perfectly fine performances, but you, this it's about the standard of their most average project. You know what I mean? Mm. You've seen them do this a thousand times before, and they're some of the most, you know, bright British talent there is now, although you know, I'm now going to include Franz Drama on that list. Um... So this is uh, directed by Jim O'Hanlon, who... Um, Has he done anything else? Well, he's mostly a TV director, and he directed, uh, most most prominently, I suppose, A Touch of Cloth, you know, the Charlie Brooker oh, yeah. cop parody series, mm. like Naked Gun kind yep. of thing. Um, and then you've got... The name of the writer escapes me now, but uh, he is also making his feature debut on this, and the problem is the script is... The story is quite formulaic. The story is quite predictable. You can see every twist and turn coming. The character writing is vague interesting. I've got to give him that. And he has given his, his, his cast something really meaty to work with. Um, the problem is, you have seen it all before. It feels like it was birthed as an attempt to you know, craft a knockoff of... Uh, remember The Street? Remember that uh, that old drama series, The Street? had Timothy Spall in yeah. it. Um, it feels like that, to be honest. Only blown up to you know, pseudo-multiplex proportions mm. for no reason whatsoever. There's just because they've got Idris Elba. There is that. I mean, yeah. if it he weren't for the, name say, if it weren't for Idris Elba, mm. you would look at this and think, "Why am I watching this TV show on 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 the big screen?" It doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense. And it's one of those you do feel when this does pop up on Film Four, Channel Four, eventually, it's going to feel more at home. I didn't dislike it. I was engaged by it. However, I wasn't terrifically surprised or impressed by it. I mean, mm. I, I I was engaged by it. Okay. Didn't dislike it, wasn't bored. So it's not uh, our film of the week? It's not our film of the week, no. I mean, our film of the week, hands down, is Arrival. So that's two for two for Amy Adams in two weeks. uh, Because obviously Nocturnal Animals was great. We'll get to that in the podcast extras. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic sly plug there. The oh yeah, definitely. Top ten in our podcast extras. <laughs> definitely, but you know, there's there's interesting stuff to come uh, next week. We've got uh, United States of Love next week. I don't know too much about that. I, I'm not terribly familiar with that one myself, although I know it's a, uh, I think it's a pseudo sexual hardcore, uh, hard hard rated R rated drama. Is it one of our uh, much much wanted uh, '90s adult thrillers? I don't talk about so quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, we have, of course, I mean, in the heat of the nights being reissued next week, but there doesn't seem much reason to to review that really. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we should. It's great. <laughs> Other than just, it's great. It's uh, we are the Flash is out next week. I don't know a lot of that. Gimme Danger, you might know about. This is the documentary about who's the band. It's a documentary about the band Gimme Danger. Um, and of course, Indignation, which apparently is, is, is it the Stooges doc? Yes, yes, there yeah. it is. Yeah, um, we've also got Indignation, which is Logan Lerman's big thing. Yep. Uh, he's apparently breaking through with that. 
And, uh, well, let us not forget, of course, the, the big... Well, Nicholas Cage is back next week as well. Doggy that's, dog. That's your big news. Well, it was meant to be for this week, but um, for some reason, it got, the, the release got pushed back a week, but the FDA, whom we know as being accomplished geniuses of you know mm. physics professor cal- calibers, um, decided not to change the schedule and just to you know leave it there. So, yeah. You've denied me a week of Cage. No, Hope you no. feel good about the it. The good news is you have got another week to watch it in now, so... There is that. Okay. So Nicholas Cage, Willem Dafoe, Paul Schrader, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, that's that's to come next week, and yeah. of course, the big, news, the big them, one, them, them fantastic beasts. Those next where week, you find them. Exactly, we'll find out where to find those fantastic beasts. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Case Allen, and we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras, Mr. Allen. So, where should we kick off this week? Because, you know, there's oh, loads of news. There is so much news. There is a veritable ocean of news. Well, I mean, there is the innocence to, to talk about. Do you want to just mm. get the innocence out of the way? And then we can just have loads Let's of news. Let's do the innocence news. and then news, news, news. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so, the innocence, which is. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Right. This is a wartime set. Uh, so it's about the Soviet occupation. Um, Soviet occupation of. Do you know, I forget which country it's. I think it's Belgium. Hmm. Belgium? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm getting confused. Um, all right, so this is about... Case this... goes to IMDb. <laughs> Case goes to IMDb. <laughs> Which is a film I would want to watch. That, that sounds like when Ernest goes to camp. Case goes to IMDb. <laughs> I was thinking uh, Mr. Deeds goes to Washington. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, right, so this is the Soviet occupation of Poland, 1945. This is kind of the end of the war. Um, this is about a French Red Cross doctor who encounters a nun one night from the local monastery, uh, winds up sort of befriending her and then becoming the go-to sort of confidential medical care for the residents of this of this monastery. Uh, monastery? Is it a monastery? Convent. Convent, not monastery. Convent, yeah. Um, and this is the thing the uh, the uh, the army have the soviet occupying army have an annoying tendency to uh, well abuse assault and generally rape the nuns of this co- of this convent so you've got a lot of illicitly pregnant nuns who are trying mm. to keep it hidden of course when the babies are born they're given up for adoption by mother superior and what unfolds is a story of these nuns trying to basically afraid of having a doctor from the outside having to keep it secret and basically this this doctor having to begrudge win their respect, as it were, and basically win the right to, to sort of care for them. And in the background, of course, you've got all the uh, the cust- all the, the the prejudices of the time. You've got the prejudice of the church itself, and it's just quite interesting. I mean, it's a brilliantly shot film. I got to give it that. I'm just looking at some of uh, some of the images from it. Oh, it does look quite startling. Really. It, it is yeah. gorgeous to look at as a film. I mean, my personal favourite. I really loved. Um, is, that, is it Lou Delage? I'm thinking of. Yes, Lou yep. Delage. Lou Delage as 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 a central character, Matilde, who's who is the red cross doctor she is absolutely terrific in this i mean let's just lip quiveringly terrific but uh who would know her from just having a look now i'm not terribly sure of hand i mean anne fontaine who directed this is the is, was the writer of coco for chanel she's written a lot of english language films so she wrote adore she wrote coco for chanel she wrote chloe remember that amanda seyfried julianne moore one that i've only seen one scene from 
Oh, the scene with Liam Neeson where yeah. everyone's clothed. Yeah, that one yeah. Where, where everyone's clothed mm. and nothing untoward is happening. No, no. <laughs> nothing. nothing. But uh, yeah, really was intrigued by this. It did go into. It went into some quite horrifying places. I did not quite expect. It sounds quite harrowing. There really. are some twists and turns to this story that will. Ooh, they they will challenge you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did really like it. I did. Um, it's one of those films as well. You look at it, you think, thank God you can't make an English language remake of this because. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can only imagine. It's one of those things that has to be treated very sensitively, and I think in the average Hollywood remake butcher hands, this wouldn't turn out well. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, who, who, would, who would remake it? If if it had to come to it, who do you think would remake I, I it? I can't hypothesise any remakes, because I'm still trying to figure out how they'd remake Train to Busan. So, you know. That's going to happen. Oh, no, they've sold the rights. They, they've oh, sold already... the, the remake rights I mean, of course, sold. of course yeah. that's happened. So that's that's happening. You know, Sam Worthington will star in an English language remake. <laughs> You know, Sam Worthington. First, he was uh, a man on a ledge. <laughs> now, now he's a dad on a train. <laughs> let's have some film news. Film, let's, film let's, news me, baby. Film let's news let's me. get away from Sam Worthington. <laughs> so that, do you know what? That's what casting agents say all the time. <laughs> get me away from Sam Worthington. <laughs> like, like the directors are starting to say that as well now, which is a good thing, unless you're Mel Gibson. But uh, oh yeah, he's, he's in Hacksaw uh, Ridge. Yeah. yeah, I think he's fine in small doses. He's fine in Australian films, of course. In the way that Jai Courtney was fine in The Water Diviner. Well, uh, Jai Courtney is definitely the new Sam Worthington, isn't he? No, I'm trying to remember which Absolutely. critic it was. There was a film critic who, when Terminator Genesis was out, famously tweeted, "Jai Courtney is such a non-presence. Even Sam Worthington is wondering who the f- he is." <laughs> And I think that's absolutely terrific. Uh, right. This was some pretty big news. We were obviously away when it broke. But yep. um, we have the Justice League to, quote-unquote, look forward to <laughs> next year. <laughs> quote-unquote, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, uh, Marvel are just coming in with my uh, suitcase full of, uh, full no, of no, notes. No, 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 buckets of money. Buckets. I need money. four buckets. I need at least four <laughs> buckets to say something bad about DC. House of Mouse, please give us our buckets. Yeah. Right, okay. So an actor that I think we both are quite big fans of mm-hmm. I, I definitely like him um uh kieran hines is in oh yes yeah, yeah kieran yeah, hines yeah uh kieran hines is playing uh, the main big bad of justice league uh steppenwolf steppenwolf this is the weird yeah. thing because he is in a deleted scene in batman superman there is there is a little team which Lex Luthor talks to Steppenwolf. Yeah, but I thought that, that wasn't actually him. No, I think it's a hologram or like a replication of him or something. Yeah, like that. I mean he's going to be playing it in in mocap. He, well, mm. he's, he's already played. He's it. already played he's, he's it. It's, it's been it's been yeah. wrapped. It's in post production right now. Um, yeah, so interesting. But he's a really really good actor. And he's get he's great in Game of Thrones and Tinker Tailor. And... But because nothing that's in the theatrical cut. You know, or, or the directorial cut or the DVD cut matters anymore when it's DC. You have to just take it all as being the same film. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, technically we have seen Steppenwolf, and that's the thing. That, that, that's that, that has to count now, because this is what they do now. They release oh, yeah. a film in cinemas, and frankly, you, you may as well just not bother seeing it, because hmm. when it inevitably... Have more information that's after it. the fact. That's yeah. it. it. It can make all the money in the world, but when the critics tell you it's rubbish, which it almost always is, because we've had three in a row now, mm. and they're all crap... But then hypothesise of reason. Yeah, did, and yeah. then they'll come up with you know the explanation that well this person was meddling with it, and then this trailer company took it over. They'll come up with that explanation, and then they'll uh, uh. then they'll come out with the extended cut, which isn't the director's cut; it's just an extended one. And then you get to watch that, and that apparently is the proper version until that one isn't liked. And then there's you know there's going to be another version after that. And then depending on whether or not that's liked, that's going to be the proper version. So let's just count Steppenwolf <laughs> as having been in it already. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, that, that sort of explanation. It's a little bit like when Lucy Lawless is in The Simpsons and she's like fielding questions from like 
overly nerdy fans of Xena, mm. and she's just like, a wizard did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what happened? It was a wizard. Do, do you remember, do you remember the, the explanation that Donald Trump came up with, whether or not he'd accept the results of the election, which obviously, obviously he now has. Oh, that happened, um, by the way. Yeah, yeah that um, happened, by the way. Sorry. Um, yeah, but we're not talking about it too much. We're because, not going to talk about it. Because f*** it, really. Exactly. Yeah. And also to say... In the words of Kent Brockman, this is why democracy just doesn't work. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, this is... Um, it's, like, it's like what he said. We said, I will accept the result if I win. That's Warner Brothers and these films. Do you know what? It is the proper version. If you like it. Yeah, if it makes a lot of money and if you're fans of it. If it goes down well, then that's what we intended. So, yeah. So there we are. Let's, let's stick with superheroes, because we've, we've got quite a bit of superhero news to just get through. So let's just do it. Um, a composer that we both love. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about this. Let's so, talk about this. Go on. A few weeks ago, we were talking about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange will also get to in the box office top 10. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the We've composer come to bargain. <laughs> what? what? We've come that? to bargain. <laughs> Domamu. Domamu. It's true. Anyway, sorry, and, carry on. Yeah, we'll, I will carry on. Uh, Michael uh, Giacchino, he was a composer for that particular film. He made one of my favourite superhero scores of that, and he's going to be doing it again for Spider-Man Homecoming. I know, I can't so, wait. I mean, and fantastic. in the middle of that is, is Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah, um, he, he is truly just oh, an in-house composer right now. For this House is it. House. I mean, you look at the, some of the things he has done over the past 15 years. Because I'd never heard of him before Alias. Oh, really? It was only when he did the, the he, score He's had for quite Alias. a relationship with JJ. Well, that's it, because he was a TV musician back then. And then he moved on to Lost as well. He did the music for oh, Lost, yeah. didn't he? And the music of those two shows is outstanding. Mm. I, mean, I, re- I mean, Lost is obviously, I think, slightly more memorable. But Alias is cool as hell. And uh, yeah, he's done so many great films since. Um, I really, I mean, I, I still particularly, I like his Star Trek scores. I do. I think they're great. Yeah, they are fantastic. Do you know what I really, really, really love about him as well? Go on. Pretty much all of his pieces, mm-hmm. he titles them with a pun. Yes, about he the, does. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm just on his Spotify this? right now. Sure, like a year ago, there was a film and you started reading out the, uh, <laughs> the titles to me. I think it was Jurassic World. And I'm going to I do think it again. It was. So... Just on Jurassic World, mm-hmm. for an example, uh, we have uh, Barry the Hatchling, the family that strays together. Oh, wow. Uh, Indominus Rex, as in Wreck-It Ralph. Nice. Oh, just, yeah, um, there's a Planet of the Apes one as well. I love his Dawn uh, of the Planet of the Apes score. Oh, the, the score itself. Oh, amazing. Some of the puns, but it's a really good pun. Uh, Season of Evil, that's oh. what it is. You know what? I, I a couple of years ago when Brave was out, yeah. I uh, the the short before Brave was called La Luna, and oh, I it love had that short. a wonderful score by mm. Michael Giacchino. And um, oh, we always forget Inside Out, by the way. That's Giacchino, isn't it? That is Giacchino, and he did Up as well, of, oh, course, yeah, of course, which yeah. is just that might be one of his like most defining works. Well, when uh, Brave was out and he did La Luna, I remember tweeting at the time. Uh, oh my god, uh, you know, Brave, Brave's great and everything, but La Luna La is Luna. amazing, and I must own that score. Yeah. Uh, that score by, and I think I put at, you know, M. Giacchino or whatever. And he, he followed me on Twitter there and then, direct messaged me and said, sorry, they're not planning to release it anytime soon. Uh, but wow. really glad but really glad you liked it. And then, you know, sent me the message and then unfollowed me. I was like, oh, that's a really sweet thing to do. Was but then unfollowed you? Because you can only you only you can only DM someone if yeah, you're following yeah. them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he followed me, DM'd, and then unfollowed. I'm like, oh, that's oh, really could, sweet. Could have just kept you. Oh, I know, but he's not Emilio yeah. Estevez. You know, oh, that's true. Emilio Estevez <laughs> is my my most high profile uh, Twitter follower. Is Emilio Estevez? Uh, mine is uh, Six Music. Six Music. The, the, the station. Yeah. That, that I, I think true. they saw one picture of me and were just like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's our audience." That's our right audience. Right <laughs> So, uh, more uh, superhero film news. Go on, what else we got? So, we've been 
talking about the ongoing saga of Deadpool. Oh man! And he continues. It continues does, today with a couple yeah. couple more interesting bits. Well, they've lost Junkie XL now as well. Since since we lasted the show. Oh really? Junkie XL's oh, dropped out as well. That. Oh yeah, out of solidarity to Tim Miller. Out of Tim Miller. Yeah. Uh, that makes me sad. I know, that, 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 that little bromance has been broken out. Oh, man. That sucks. But we have been caught in some new faces, some uh, new people. They have, to, yeah. To be uh, bringing it to the big screen. Um, so, John Wick, we're both a fan. We are indeed. Okay, so the co-director of that, he is now in line to be uh, doing uh, Deadpool 2. Well, he's got, um, he's got the frenetic energy for it, hasn't he? Oh, totally, yeah. So his name is uh, uh, David Leach, I mm-hmm. believe. Or is he Leach or Lech? I'm not entirely sure. I think, it's I think it's Leach or Leach or something or like Leech, that. Yeah. Leach, perhaps, yeah. But hey, John Wick... Oh, it's, man, I can't it, wait. It's, it does share that same like it has hyper that, kinetic energy, that almost it? anarchic sensibility as well. Because yeah. John Wick is a very meta film. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's that. I can't I'm wait thinking to I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just yeah, I cannot wait to see that. I cannot wait to see John Wick three. You know what I can't wait for? Out. I can't wait for um, the first couple of months of 2017 mm. when we just have a barrage of action thrillers with uh, the very lovely Ruby Rose. Uh, with large automatic weapons. I'm, I take, I'm I take you saw the trailer that. for uh, the return of Xander Cage. I did indeed. I'm very much looking forward to Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Uh, There's no the, by the way. It's just Return it's of Xander Which is incredibly dumb. But... I, I don't think that Vin Diesel cares about details. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, because his character got killed off two different in two different ways what what was the end shot of the trailer that i really loved is he like he's falling out of a plane or he's, he's coming out of oh, like it's a, when the like plane's blowing up behind him and he just shoots out the back of it like a bullet yeah like a bullet yeah, yeah. like a shiny bald bullet <laughs> kick some ass get the girl and try to look dope while you do it and, and you know does. what he does that i feel like that should be the tagline on the poster yeah and yeah mm. although it's it's what it's guns girls global dominations under cages back i think that's the tagline yeah, yeah. alliteration which I'm a big I'm a big fan of alliteration. So and you're a big fan of Triple X <laughs> as your fan. as your arm as my tattoo will tell you. Yes, yeah, I am a big exactly. fan of Triple X. But... Um, just think of Deadpool a little bit as well, and with mm-hmm. Fox. Um, so Deadpool three is going to be a given. No, as well, well. isn't it being developed already? It's being developed thing. right now with plans to feature um, uh, the X Force, or maybe oh, just wow. X Force. I don't know if it's a the. No, like, it is just X Force. Just X Force. Yeah. But but we say the X Men. Well, yeah, I mean, the X Men refers to the unit of the X Men. X Men refers. to I was movies. listening to a podcast with uh, with Stanley a couple of weeks ago. Okay, and, and I bet was... that was four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't far off actually. No, and he was saying about how he came up with the title for X Men. Yeah, and originally wanted to just call it the Mutants. Well, why and not? whoever he was like answering to at the time, they were like, "You can't call it that." And yeah, for for whatever reason, it was just like, "Fine, okay, I'll think of something else." And he thought, "Well, these are characters with extra powers." I'll call them X-Men. A bit of news for you. You know Stanley recently filmed four of his Marvel cameos over the course of two days? Yeah, do you know who directed them? That's exactly what I was going to get to. Mr. James Gunn, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was. Oh, man. That's cool. I love that they they just do right now. I mean... (sighs) I think they, they have to, just because he is definitely ticking on in years, isn't well, he? Isn't he 91? I thought he was like 93. Oh, well, he's in his 90s. Yeah, but I he's a very a, spry 90. I watched <laughs> a video old. with him in last night, actually. Um, and since you don't have a Facebook account anymore, you won't have seen this. No, I, I'm just uh, Twitter and Instagram, because I can't be fully off social media. No. I'm not well, there is a it. video now of um, Hong Kong's new Iron Man exhibit. I don't know if you've seen this. Really? Disneyland uh, is opening in Hong Kong. Their first Marvel exhibit is going to be an Iron Man ride in which 45 people can board the Iron Wing and go on an adventure with Iron Man through Hong Kong to the new Stark Tower. So you go to Hong Kong, then? 
Of course, I'm going to Hong Kong. Are you really crazy? Of course, I am. I, I bought my ticket right now. I started. I started looking at flight prices last night. <laughs> you started selling everything you own. Yes, I did. <laughs> like I, I do. I do love Chinese food. Why not? Yeah. Oh, as they call it, food. Exactly. <laughs> Sticking with one last piece of uh, superhero movie news, uh, we spoke about Brian Singer. Um, so I think that X Men Apocalypse that is his last stand. That's that's it. That's <laughs> his last stand. Yes, his literal last, last stand. stand. Yes, yeah, that is going to be his last time playing in the X Men sandbox. Yeah, apparently so, he's done. Uh, but yeah. apparently Simon Kinberg is going to be carrying on. They they want him to be the new Overlord of the. Uh... He's going to be there, Kevin. Also, uh, Kevin Gambit Fagin. is going to be going ahead once Channing Tatum has done on what's the what we talked about it recently. Sploosh. not Sploosh. not Sploosh. <laughs> the the other one, the heist. Uh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky, that's yeah. it. The Is it Logan Lucky or Lucky Logan? Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Logan yeah. Lucky, because I said at the time. I'm looking be. forward to that, because I actually did believe that Steven Soderbergh was uh, was was done. <laughs> More fool me. Right. Stephen Soderbergh quitting is just... It's, it's, it's like Tron 3, man. You keep it, talking yeah. about it, which is never going to happen. Speaking of directors quitting... Go on. I am segue, segue, segue you're, you, today. You're, just, you're like Paul Blart Moorcock. Segways <laughs> as far as the eye can see. <laughs> Bloody hope. That's the second time you've compared me to Kevin James today. You know what? You utter Kevin bastard. can wait. <laughs> Kevin can wait. Uh. You've ruined my segue. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. B- board it again and start again. <laughs> oh, hi, Quentin Tarantino news. So, Quentin Tarantino has said that after two films, that's it, he's out, he's done. Oh, come on. I mean, he's, he's said this before. He said this before, but. Uh, you know what? He'll come up with two more movies. They'll both suck. And, you know, the fanboys will declare them to be the greatest movies ever you're made. Not, and... You're not the biggest fan of QT, are you? No, I liked Hateful Eight. I did. I, I actually. I, I'm. I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm not generally a hater of of you know of of certain filmmakers. Like that. Mm. I don't want to hate. I don't even want to hate like Twilight movies or anything like that. But, but you don't know want what? To hate films. That's well, no. That's the thing. But I don't want to hate DC movies. I go in with an open mind. I don't want to hate Fantastic Beasts. I'm going in with an open mind. Mm. I just in the back of my mind, I do think this has every chance of being utterly rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And then you know you go in, and if it is, then you are right. And if not, then yeah, pleasant surprise. If, you, you know what? If you on. if you always expect the worst. It's easier to be surprised. That's 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 the words thing. to live by. There you go. If you no, always expect it to be bad, then yeah, you know, I expect everything to be rubbish now. To be honest, uh, you know. I bloody do in this day and age. After yesterday, every well, yeah, I yeah. just expect everything ever is going to suck. If you have low expectations, then you're always going to be. Yeah, if you have low expectations, they are easier to be exceeded. And that is how uh, I married uh, my wife. That's how I proposed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Start off low. I can only get better looking. <laughs> Is that really it? I, was, I missed that part of your wedding speech. I really did. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't put that into my toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am, I am self-effacing. I got on my knees and I said, I couldn't possibly do any better than you, darling. But you could do better than me. So can I just lock it down now whilst I... Yeah, I, I am, I am self, self-deprecating to quite an extreme level. <laughs> It's almost like sadomasochistic, how self-effacing that can be. That's exactly how I would describe you. <laughs> uh, let's do a couple pieces of casting for a few different flicks, and then we'll do box office think? top ten. Yeah, yeah, cool. So we, we were talking about this earlier. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Rafe Spall and Toby Ooh. Jones are going to be in the sequel to Jurassic World 2. They're going to be I... the sequel to Jurassic, <laughs> Jurassic World 3? Yeah, they, they might be. I they're going to be, they're gonna gonna be, be the sequel to Jurassic World, a.k.a. Jurassic World 2, a.k.a. Well, you said you hope it's Jurassic War, didn't you? I hope it's Jurassic War. Well, I, it's not what I hope, I just think that it might be. Well, yes, we're going to be in Jurassic World 2. They might be a sequel to Jurassic World 2. <laughs> they might 2. go a little bit we'll more see. They might go a little bit more politically correct with it. Jurassic armed conflict. But, you know. 
<laughs> We're not living in a world of political correctness anymore. Jurassic militarised disagreement. <laughs> and a hologram of Vinny D'Onofrio pops that's up. That's it, yeah, yeah, exactly. He just pops up and says, that's not militarised enough. Um, <laughs> Needs at least 6% more military. Exactly. This is Vincent D'Onofrio who you know, walks along petting the raptors and goes, huh, needs more guns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> needs more dog. <laughs> Needs but, more uh, dog, but yeah, Rafe's bull. That's good casting, as we mentioned. I really like you know, him Prometheus. It was all right. He yeah. was slightly miscast in that because he was playing a geologist who. Oh, no, he was playing a uh, zoologist who doesn't doesn't know not to interfere with an alien life form. Because then he gets something on his face. He gets the thing on his face. But also, he is touring around a cave with a geologist who can't find his way through a cave that's largely one tunnel. He loves rocks, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was the villain in Mission Impossible, wasn't he? Sean Harris, yeah. Sean Harris, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sean Harris. Mission Impossible Six, by the way, that has a release date now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is just America or if we're going to get it. Like, I'll be worldwide with Mission Impossible. It's usually like day and day, isn't it? Yeah. It so is. that is is it? Is it, w- it is July two thousand and eighteen. I want to say because the last one, the, the last one actually came out on my birthday. What is your birthday, sir? On July 31st. I share a birthday with Harry Potter. And, well, this could be an early birthday present <laughs> to you, because it is uh, July 27th. July 27th. Yeah. Oh, shucks. I'll have to, you know, uh, leave my mum's birthday early and, and do that. That's, that's yeah. a, a crying I fact. I was quite the fan of The Last Mission. Well, I was, and I remember you were a big fan of Miss Ferguson uh, in, in the last movie. And she is, she's returning. Yeah, she's, she's returning. I, I think the whole team are. The whole team are, yeah. Team. Is that including uh, President-elect uh, Baldwin? I, I really well. hope, I really hope Alec Baldwin is, because he was the head of, of IMF. Yeah, like right at the end, he? So... that was ace, but they've, they've got like their own cue right at the end. What, what is the term he used to describe Tom Cruise that we loved so much? <laughs> he was the manifestation of destiny. Manifestation of, he was the manifestation of destiny. Now, where is Hunt? <laughs> it's, it's just, I'll tell you something, my favourite moment of film last year was just how Alec Baldwin answers a telephone in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Oh, How Alec Baldwin answered the telephone is that that two-second moment is my favourite moment of any <laughs> film last year. That is up there, that's up there with the opening of Way of the Gun as one of the greatest things yes. I have ever witnessed. Do you know what, Christopher McQuarrie? That's <laughs> yeah. what it is. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. So, he, he is the action talking, isn't yeah, he? He is. Action talking. Um, yeah, so that's going to be... <laughs> Yeah, I just I just really want Alec back. I want Alec back. Well, okay. you've seen him on Saturday Night Live for the next four years. Oh, I'm sure we will. So, yeah. If if there's any good thing, that is it. Well, of course, you know, except for that whole thing where one day Alec Baldwin is mysteriously going to disappear, and then uh, a slightly rotund body will wash up on the banks of the Hudson. Just saying. Yeah, probably underneath the hanging corpse of John Oliver. Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> probably. And then, what a world. And then a bag, have. and then a bag containing the scattered remains of Samantha B. <laughs> <laughs> As Trevor Noah jumps off the bridge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're laughing about the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the real apocalypse. <laughs> the world's ending. You realise that, right? We, oh, yeah. We are oh, yeah, all definitely. going to die. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be here after we've been making these comments. Oh, God. No. This is it. <laughs> no, However I'm, small our show is, he's I'm, gonna, he's I'm seriously, I'm, I'm looking out the window for an Escalade every minute. <laughs> I, I am. Just, just an Escalade with blacked out windows every yeah. two minutes. You've got to check. I want to get that shuttle that Bart and Homer get on when I just. <laughs> Even if it's going to Mars, I'll just... That's me. Exactly. That's me gone. <laughs> but, okay, right. Uh, the Predator. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Go on. So, yeah, did we talk about um, uh, Boyd Holbrook being cast? We did movie? ages ago, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Was, what, about three or four weeks ago, I think? Well, something like that. He was going to be... replaced Benicio, didn't he? Replaced Benicio because yeah. of, like, schedule or... Because mm, yeah. he's, he's obviously going to be in Star Wars, Benicio uh, Del Toro. But it's not official, though, is he? 
I thought it had been. I don't think it's official that he's in Star Wars. I think oh. it's it's a heavy rumor that he is. The reason Benicio is so busy at the moment is because he's got Soldado uh, yet to go. Oh, That's, of course, yeah. Soldado's got to roll, and apparently it's going to be quite a lengthy shoot. Yeah, and, that, and that's a... got some casting as well. That's got some casting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Catherine Keener, isn't Kath- it? Uh, Catherine Keener is Josh Brolin's boss. Yes. In it. Well, that's pretty interesting. That. Well, she's like the CIA chief. Yeah, I'm sold. I could go. I really like her. I'm a big, big fan of her. What I want to know is, like, who, who, who do we have to kill to get Demi and Bashir in the sequel to Sicario? <laughs> Come on, make this happen. Have he's you a, he's seen an Oscar-nominated Weeds? actor. Have you seen Weeds? He could do this. I didn't realize he was in Weeds. Yeah, he was. He's, he's the villain of like two different seasons of Weeds. Uh, mm. Also, the main, the lead actress's husband in it. Oh, I see. He's the husband slash villain for two seasons. Cool. Uh, yeah. Might have to give Weeds a watch. He's a very charming man. But uh, just going back to Predator, yeah, we no. were talking about uh, Boyd Holbrook a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. I've now uh, got a lead, a female lead, yep. to be opposed to him. Um, uh, Miss Olivia Munn. Uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I didn't used to like Olivia Munn. I found her quite a, you know, a sort of what's the big deal sort of an actress. Yeah, and then um, do you watch her in the newsroom? It was in the newsroom where I actually thought, actually, yeah, there is something to her. She quite sells this role. Mm. Um, then she was in X-Men Apocalypse, and you found yourself asking, why, why are you here? Like what, what, I, f- I what, find what it odd doing? that she turned down the female lead role in Deadpool because she didn't want to be the token chick character. <laughs> and then she was in Apocalypse and she was... The token chick she character. She was the token chick character yeah. who just had a sword and didn't really... She didn't have many lines and... No. She just, It wasn't a well-rounded character, whereas... It wasn't a character. It wasn't a character. Just because there's an action yeah. figure doesn't mean it's a character. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Whereas... What what's what's the name of the lady who was in uh, Deadpool? Oh, Marina Baccarin. Marina Baccarin. Her character is incredible. Yeah, I really like yeah. that character. Yeah, that, that that is effectively my dream woman. Mm. So, but it's it's not even just in yeah. literally every way that is my dream woman. Let's move on to every uh, conceivable solitary way that is my dream woman. The more I'm just, I'm, I'll be honest. You need to stop me because I am drifting off into Happy International Women's Day, everybody. Thank you. There we are. I'm, I just need to stop me because I was just, I was just going so far off. I couldn't stop myself. I just, I had the image of Marina Baccarin in my head, and I was just going off into Firefly World and Homeland ish <laughs> territory. And okay, I've yeah. got uh, one last piece of film news just before we do the box of the top ten, and then Go I've got some more pieces after that. So I'm going to stick with some strong independent ladies. <laughs> okay, what you got? Yeah, uh, Mindy Kaling and, uh, and Emma Thompson have got yeah. a gig. I think this sounds pretty good. Uh, they're going to be starring... It's not got a title yet. It's uh, it's a film about uh, late-night uh, talk shows. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and uh, they're both going to be, like, um, uh, some hosts of those shows. Are they going to be rivals? Gonna, I think they're going to be rivals. Ooh, okay. I'm not entirely sure about the, um, all the details of the plot, but I know that, that, uh, um, that Paul Feig is going Ooh. to be directing it. And this is the problem. If they were rivals, surely that's bad casting I because think going to be rivals, you would so just want like... Emma Thompson to win because Mindy Kaling is just so unfathomably unlikable. And Emma Thompson could be the Queen of England. Exactly. exactly. Emma yeah. Thompson should be who we stick in Buckingham Palace once we rise up and usurp the Queen. That's it, yeah. I yeah. think they're going to be rivals, but I'm not sure. But I'm fine with just that kind of concept for a film. I, f- mm. I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, we don't have many... Well, we, we've got Samantha B. That's it, <laughs> and she's pretty underrated as far as like female. Samantha B. There is. Late night I, I think. I think you'll find there is also Chelsea Handler. Uh, excuse me. You know, <sighs> Netflix doesn't count. <laughs> Netflix. Well, no, Chelsea Handler doesn't count as a human. 
Yeah, that I, show is I'm not, awful. I'm not a big fan of... Um, I, I went through like three minutes of the Captain America episode and just turned I, it as off. Did like, I. Can't do it. Cannot do it. Yeah, uh, Black Panther was on as well. Charlotte Boseman was on there. Oh, she's just so she, she annoying. She was like, explain she? to me what is Black Panther. And she was just interrupting every couple of seconds. And What's that just, like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, just go away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I hate her so much. Should we do the box office top ten? Yeah, okay, let's just do the top ten. If there's any new stuff, we can cover that afterwards. Number ten. Bridget Jones's baby is about to be delivered. <laughs> Which was about to be delivered, and it's on its way out. I'll be yeah. glad to see the back of that baby. The baby is now eight weeks old. The baby is now eight weeks old. I'll be glad to see the back of it. You know what? It's had its time. It's 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 gone through the the incubator. It, it can be taken away now. You can take that away and raise it away from me. I <laughs> I don't need to see this baby again. Um, it was fine. You know, it was it wasn't particularly anything dazzling, but it wasn't offensively bad either. The worst thing you could say about Bridget Jones's baby, other than the fact that it's amazing how poor her accent has been all these years and none of us have noticed mm. is that really it's jokes are about five years out of date although then again the film evidently is supposedly set five years in the past but at no point do they acknowledge it no. which is very strange number nine stocks which it's bright and colorful in 3d and the kids might like that yeah but... it was something to watch at half term wasn't it well, you know, you say that, but Trolls is Trolls out. Trolls was out, yeah. So, I've heard pretty good things about Trolls. Yeah, Surprisingly they're, they're better fans. off watching Trolls, but yeah. Trolls is a better movie than Storks, which, mm. given the casts involved in both, is surprising. But, yeah, that's it. I, I, it's the thing. I wasn't taken by Storks. I really wasn't. It was just, it was sort of there, and it wore me down over the course of 90 minutes. Yeah. But I don't want to be worn down. I want to be entertained. I want to enjoy something. Yeah. Number eight. Jack Reacher. Never go back. Although he did, because this is the second one. <laughs> There's no word, <laughs> no word yet on Jack Threecher. Thank, I'm thankful to say. Shame, because that is a great. That's up with now you three me. Yes, now you three me. Totally needs to happen. And and what would you say? Two Rassic, uh, two Rassic, well, uh, two Manji. Oh no, no, Jurafivic was one we wanted Jurafivic to do. Jurafivic world was one we yeah, wanted. Uh, uh, two Manji, and also Two Lander, which wasn't. It was just Two Lander Two. Well, it was briefly called Two Lander, and was then they binned. Oh yeah, yeah, they binned it. Yeah. They, they do no this. wonder that film was not good. <laughs> I know, they do this all the time. It's so annoying. I remember Just one point... give me my puns, damn it. Well, back in, like, 2003, 2004, we were going to have a movie genuinely called Scooby-2. Yeah. And it was going to be spelt T-O-O. Hmm. And that was, that was great. That's that was great. a great title. But then they changed to Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. And I'm sorry, but, you know, the sight of Linda Cardellini in that wonderful orange latex catsuit does not make up for the awful title. It does not. I'm sorry. I couldn't get over it. But <laughs> what the hell were we talking about? I can't remember. Jack Reacher. But you, you just pictured Linda Cardellini for a second. I, I did, I did. I, Hands I, off Hawkeye's wife. Yeah, do you know what it is? It's the Actually, she was in an episode of New Girl that I watched a couple of days ago. She plays uh, Jess's sister, Jess's right? Jess's sister yeah. for like three episodes I, of New so Girl. So you've started watching New Girl then? Yes, yes nice. I have. Yeah, cool. yeah. We'll talk about it after the show. Oh, okay, a friend of mine talked me into it. And, uh, about ten days ago I started it and I'm now four seasons in. That's good. That's so, a good thing. So the beauty of being able to just watch TV shows on your phone. Is uh, Nick, Miller, Nick Miller, Streets of Chicago, your favourite character? <laughs> uh, no, Winston is my favourite character, actually. <laughs> with, with a pinch of Schmidt. A pinch of Schmidt. pinch of Schmidt. Yeah. But uh, built, also, built the Schmitty. Yeah, we built the Schmitty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Anyway... Um, <laughs> because off point, but uh, Jack Reacher was uh, yeah, for a sequel. No one wanted it. Was fine, but at least we got his wick flick. Yeah, got his wick flick. He got his wick flick. Eddie's wick's back, and 
Yeah, you know, that's that's fine, I guess. Number seven. The girl is still on the train. Which the performances are great. The film is not. The film plays like a novel. I don't want a novel, though. I want a film. And do you want to take this away and bring me a film back, please? That would be really, really <laughs> A nice. waiter, I would like one film. Yeah. Waiter, can you send this back? It's not done yet. I'd really like a film. Number six. The Light Between Oceans. So we obviously weren't able to talk about this. So do you want to give us a brief review? Right. So very, very briefly. Okay, so this is, uh, this is based on a novel. This is like an old-timey period piece romance. It plays like a Daniel steel adaptation mm. for guardian readers ah. it's the best way to that's not, not not meant to be like you know it's not derogatory not derogatory yeah. i'm just saying you know and it is it is nice and it is engaging it's superbly acted and alicia vikander and michael fassbender both superb in mm. it as is rachel vice who arguably steals the show and and this has got brian brown in it i've missed really? brian brown yeah i mean he turned up very briefly at the beginning of gods of egypt but i deliberately try not to remember that film am i correct to think that brian brown is from uh, mad max uh, I, I don't remember. Brian Brown for me is the star of yeah, FX and FX Two: Murder by Illusion. Mm. And yeah. FX is is FX Murder by Illusion, and the second one, FX Two, is Deadly Art I'm of not, Illusion. I'm not sure. Have you seen them? Have you seen FX and FX? Not. Right, okay. That, that's your homework case. You must watch FX and FX2. You see, I have, are, I have actual homework. Yeah, as I they are the two best teacher, films but... of the 1980s that you've never seen because Alien nobody's Asian seen them. Yeah. Hmm? I will check those out. I'll yeah, check them out. Th- th- no one's ever seen them. They are wonderful. <laughs> I don't get why this why this isn't being rebooted is beyond me. Because as far as I knew, all the MGM films were up for remake rights. So give it time. Yeah. Give it time, man. There's only so many titles in the world. I'm telling you, FX remade Edward Norton be amazing. But that's just my own personal. But sorry, um, so Light Between Oceans, uh, really good. This is issued in Box Office Top 10 in the podcast extras, because we can just go tangent crazy. On and on, I know. Um, But yes, I I really liked uh, Light Between Oceans. I thought the performance was terrific. I thought it looked lovely. Um, It is moving. It is stirring. It is engaging. I can't recommend it highly enough. Really enjoyed it. Number five. Nocturnal Animals. I'm quite interested to hear your thoughts on this. Right. This is a thriller from Tom Ford, right, that is as stylish as it is gripping. And is it as stylish as a Tom Ford suit? It is exactly as stylish as a Tom Ford <laughs> suit. <laughs> Have you seen, um, uh, what was your film? Uh, a Single Man. Have you seen that yet? Uh, yeah, I saw that when it came out. Yeah. And I wasn't that taken by it. Oh, really? But I, I thought that was slightly more style over substance. Mm. This has got the balance just right. It's got some great performances. Amy Adams is very good in it. Jake Hall is amazing in this. But do you know who absolutely owns it? Michael Shannon. It's your man, Michael Shannon. Exactly. Crazy eyes. Crazy he eyes Shannon. is. Right, you know that quiet intensity thing that he does? Mm. He takes that <laughs> I up. I have a quiet intensity that <laughs> makes people... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right, he takes that up to 11. That is absolutely Incredible. brilliant. He is tremendous in this. Also, quite liked Aaron Taylor-Johnson as the oh, villain. Really? Yeah, yeah, I the bit of a tough time with him sometimes. It's a very transformative role for him. It's very much, there is no Aaron Taylor-Johnson mm. in it. It's just he has disappeared into this almost feral character. Really? And it's really, really engrossing. The only time that I've really, really enjoyed him in a film was when he played uh, John Lennon. Yeah, a lot of people have said that, yeah. Yeah, that was obviously quite early on in his career. It was when he met his his wife. Yes, yeah, yeah. True, yeah, true. But, you know, uh, Nocturnal Animals, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is admittedly the second best film out at the moment that stars Amy Adams. But you know what? <laughs> That's a very, very high bar, so yeah. you should absolutely... She's been doing really well, hasn't yeah, she? Absolutely take that. Number four. A street cat named Bob. Is number four. <laughs> right. Amazing. Right. I, I just want to tell you, the, the best comment on a street cat named Bob is is comes in the form of a quote from, from Nigel Andrews, who <laughs> brilliantly said to me, just because it's true doesn't mean it's forgivable. <laughs> 
And I've got to say... I've spoken like a true dog person. Yeah. <laughs> a dog person, exactly. I don't think he's into cats. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. Um, it, is, it is just dross. It is schmaltzy, sugary, nonsensical, mm. over-sloshed mulch of a film. It is best suited to being the 10 minute you know not even the 10 minute subplot of a richard curtis film mm. it is unfathomable that um the character you know obviously because the real guy couldn't but in the context of the film it is unfathomable that uh the luke treadaway character couldn't simply you know find his way out of homelessness by taking up a modeling contract um it is bizarre to me that any anybody... bit of a crush on luke treadaway have we he's do you know what he's a stunning man he's in this fellow he's he yeah. is a handsome looking man Yes. Uh, it is unfathomable to me that anybody in casting for any film ever took one look at Rudiger Minders and thought, yes, that's what people from Sheffield look and sound like, because I'll tell you for a fact, no, they don't. There's someone that's supposed to be from Sheffield. In this oh, film. yeah. Wow. And it will be- Well, Anne Hathaway was supposed to be from Leeds. Once upon a time. There's never been anyone in Leeds who looks anything like me at Anne Hathaway. Or sounded like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there is a quality barrier between film and reality these people need to get. Anyway. (laughs) I don't care if she dreamed a dream. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there has never been anyone in Sheffield of the attractiveness or alluring sex appeal of Ruta Getminders. It has never happened. I've lived in Sheffield for years. It has literally never happened. Anyway, (laughs) let's go back. Um, that's the thing. It is rubbish. It is cloy. It is sentimental. But you know what? You will come out at the end of it and say, "I really want to go home." And like, I want to come home, cuddle my dog. That, yeah. That is it. Well, right? I, I, I love cats, and my wife loves cat, loves cats even more than me. You will. And, uh, that's it. It's emotionally manipulative, it. but it yeah. seems to it's know that it is. Isn't it a cat wearing a scarf as well? It, it is. But I'm going to see the twice. biggest problem with a street cat, maybe, other than the fact that it's rubbish, is that it is that it's totally imbalanced to the absolutely misguided degree of trying to be a family-friendly film about heroin withdrawal. Now. Just imagine what that entails for a second, and then imagine this is a 12A-rated film that you're meant to sort of, you know, the grandparents are taking the grandkids to see, and there's a dude ODing on on a set of council estate stairs. You know, just imagine that. We've got to, got to learn. Got to learn facts about life. From, from 12-rated cat films. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family-friendly film about heroin withdrawal yeah. with a cat. But it's, that's not the central focus, is it? Like, but that the, is the story. The cat's not on smack. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the next film. No, 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 no. Now you've said it, I want to see a family-friendly film about a cat on heroin. <laughs> That's, that's absolutely, that's that absolutely a, <laughs> a smackhead named Bob. That's something I really want to see. <laughs> oh my God, you realise we are the worst people, and we are going to hell when we die. No, we are because if we were, we would be president and vice president right now. That's very, very true. Number three, the accountant. Right. So, are you, are you aware of the plot of the accountant? I've heard You've that heard. it is Rain Man and Spock. If they'd had some kind of weird crazy assassin smart baby assassin baby yeah, essentially that, yeah. do you know what that kind of is exactly. it, basically yep. so ben affleck's version of autism is spock it's spock right it's it's literally is logical. yeah it's yep. it, it's it's zach kinto's spock and to be fair to ben affleck he does play it in this sort of knowing almost wry way yeah. where there are like genuine moments where you will laugh out loud it is genuinely funny at times and it does mean to be to be fair it does mean to be there's a lot of like, you know what i would describe as terminator humor 
Like you know, like famously Terminator Two, with you know the kid talking to the robot, and yep. yeah, that that dry humor. There's a lot of that to it in a strange way, particularly once they bring Anna Kendrick into it. It's got uh, quite a good spot in Casa, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. So you got John Burnfall. Uh, John Burnfall. John Lithgow as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joke Simmons. Oh, J.K. Simmons Joe is Simmons, in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amanda Waller from Arrow is is in it. She's one of the leads oh, as yeah, well. And cool. um, yeah, it's got a decent cast. Um, I would argue that you could probably lose Amanda Waller from Arrow and J.K. Simmons, and the film would be mercifully shorter and more mm. to the point, and would be a lot better as a result. The third act is weirdly lifted from, of all things, Haywire. If you remember that movie, I do remember that film. Yeah. yeah. Like, the third act comes from that. Uh, Gina Carano, yeah. Yeah, Gina yeah. Carano one. And uh, but other than that, I will say. I, I didn't dislike it. I, I actually was entertained in a very schlocky level. Mm. On a very schlocky level. In a sort of, in our favourite way. 90s a, adult thriller. 90s adult thriller, yeah. but with a bit, little bit of a goofy side. So it is gormless, and it is goofy, but it is enjoyable. And it is one of those films that you want to see in the Warner Brothers cardboard clip cases, the clip, DVD clip yeah. cases. From way I want it right next to the Bone Collector. Oh no! I, I could just imagine it with like a red box next to the Outbreak cover. Because <laughs> right. I remember that famously coming in a red cardboard snap case. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the films I've got in cardboard snap cases. I've got Swordfish in a snap case. Oh, everyone had Swordfish in a snap case. Yeah. I, think, I think it came with everyone's DVD players back in the I day. So yeah. like, everyone had that. It's one of those ones been like, and here's a token DVD. When this I when I bought my first DVD player, I think you got I got Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, and. Oh, man, I it was like packs you could get where it was like loads of like really rubbish cheap old films yeah, yeah, I and got... some, some weirdly good underrated classics tell a lie well. I got there were, it was a Warner Brothers pack I got with mine I got Three Kings Deep Blue Sea and something else do you know what I got with mine Go on. Seven Years in Tibet Seven Years in Tibet mm. it's a, it was a double bill with something else as well was it was a George Clooney film as well, Twelve Years a Slave <laughs> Did I ever tell you my 12 Years a Slave story? No. When I was working at a certain uh, UK uh, cinema, Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was on box office one day, mm-hmm. and there was a Russian fellow who came right. up to me, and uh, he wanted a ticket to go see that film. Okay. And um, it was like, hello, uh, can I uh, have a ticket for 12 Years a Slave, please? <laughs> to which I said, yeah, uh, sure. Um, do you mean uh, 12 Years a Slave? And he was like, no, Slave, Slave, Slave. It, but it was called 12 Years a Slave. No, Slave, Slave film. Film is called Slave. Why was he so insistent? I don't know, but he got a, he got pretty kind of testy about it, but it was called 12 Years a Slove. Uh, that's just bizarre. Isn't it? On, yeah. which, on which note? Number two. Trolls. <laughs> which is, you know, it's goofy. Sappy. Techni- <laughs> it's goofy, sappy, Technicolor fun. Yeah. And the kids would be better served with this than they would with uh, Storks, for instance. Mm. And there's a fun supporting cast. I've not seen it yet, but I can imagine this is what it's like when you OD on Candy Floss. Yeah, you know what it does? It feels like when you used to get that... If you, uh, like, shoot, like, some Twizzlers straight into your eyes. You know those bags you get that's got, like, multicoloured, really soft little ball of, like, not sponge, it's like a spongy candy, soft candy, it tastes like clouds. Like, like uh, dolly mixtures? Not like dolly mixtures, it's like clouds, it's kind of like hardened candy floss, but when you bite into it, it just goes right through it. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of know what you mean, yeah. Imagine that as a film. And here, <laughs> here we are. Basically got yeah. this, yeah. Um, I don't will say this, actually, the soundtrack stuck with me. I was driving earlier this morning, and Clint Eastwood uh, by Gorillaz came on in my car. Yeah. And I did think of Trolls. Oh, is it, is it in there? There is a moment when they show you the Bergens, the, the bad guys, right. when they show you them sort of going through their zombie-like, miserable existence. And they wander through the town, each singing a different lyric to Gorillaz. Oh, wow. 
Clint Eastwood. They clearly just saw that music video and just thought, yeah. that's great, have that. But I did think of that. I thought, actually, yeah, you know what? It must have it must be somewhat successful if it's if it's stuck with me yeah. in that way. So fair enough. Number one. Domamu. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to bargain. <laughs> now, Doctor Strange is something I, I did really, really like. Yeah. Um it's it's a strange one in that <laughs> oh, figure it's a strange oh one. you're just the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange one in that it, it does show surprisingly how worn the origin story formula has become now that's not particularly a fault of marvel that is a fault i would say of the yeah. industry and the subgenre i would argue that's whole. not a fault of this film to be honest it's not a fault of this film but the mm. problem is it is a victim of its own success in one way it is a victim of basically its studio's success in that way because obviously the marvel success has led to so many imitations it led to you know so many attempts to do other things it led to sony trying to craft a universe out of an unnecessarily rebooted spider-man to the extent that we're now just kind of worn by the idea of kind of repetitive and predictable superhero origin stories now to be fair to doctor strange it does at least go somewhere unexpected with it in giving us you know Unpredictable, uh, element, you know, otherworldly yeah, it, elements. It makes up and, for it with the visuals. Yeah, the visuals absolutely. are terrific. It's got the best cast of any Marvel movie ever. Yeah, and that is until Black Panther. Comes well, out. until Black Panther, but that's a really high bar as well. Yeah, because you look at the extent of Marvel casting. You think, yeah. If you look at it, even back to the first Iron Man. Yeah, because obviously when that came out, it wasn't seen as like a get to have Robert Downey Jr. Was to me. Obviously, it was to you, <laughs> but then again, you had painted him with a different brush. To what hey, hard work hey like. summer of 2006, I ran down the street championing the idea. Oh my God, Robert Downey Jr. has been cast as Iron Man. It's the best news ever. I'm sure he did. And there was a lot of people in the modern fight that Tom Cruise would never be Iron Man. I think the same week they announced Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, and I frankly cared yeah. more about the idea that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be Iron Man. Yeah, that was uh, when the, the internet just melted, wasn't it? Yeah, the internet melted uh, that week. Yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, but. That cast was incredible as well. Yeah, and that cast was It great. just seemed to just keep building and building and building on it. That's true. I mean, and you are looking at the only guy who genuinely regretted the idea that Terence Howard wasn't going to be an Iron Man too. Mm. And then saw no, the no, film no, and no, thought, no, best of luck to you, Terence. Yeah. You, you got a lucky break, man. He's got Empire. It's fine. Yeah, he's got Empire. It's all good. But, but that's um, the thing. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange um, is written in such a way that it becomes the first film, really, since Iron Man. Although you can argue the Avengers did as well. But there's some, compa- s- there's some yeah. parallels. Because it sells the idea of a grounded, realistic set of characters yeah. in completely baffling, you know, otherworldly, well, far fetched. That's exactly the reason why I think that the origin story works so well for Doctor Strange, mm. and why it had to be an origin story, and why it had to be this kind of origin story. I don't think you could have leapt in with the character, though. I do, you not. needed an origin Definitely story, not. but you couldn't have leapt in, and you couldn't have given him an origin in Civil War in no. the way that they no, kind of no, do no. with Black Panther. No. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. I do. Um, for my money, it's <laughs> it's probably just outside of the top five. I would say outside of my top. Yeah, I'd say it's just upper upper middle. And yeah, I can't wait to see I'll what we do that. with that character. And I can't wait to see what we do with Chiwetel Ejiofor's character as well. It's very true. More the thing there. is, it is better as a launching pad than as it is a solitary film, I yeah, think. But it's not without its... It, I mean, it is fantastically entertaining. I'm going to maintain that it's the best looking and best sounding yes, Marvel film. absolutely right. And yeah. best acted? Think best acted as well. Best acted, maybe it's. Up it's there. got some bests. I but, think I think uh, Chewie is eating the scenery, but in the most enjoyable way that you don't really mind. Very true. I mean, a lot of people have now turned on Mads Mikkelsen as a result of this film. Why, why have you done this? This is just a, your one note, your one note joke villain kind of thing. I've I've heard that as well. I've not heard it as much as I did about um, uh, Lee Pace about Ronan. 
Yeah, and that's so the why, why I don't think it was particularly that bad. I well. don't think he was that bad. No, I think I think the Caecilius uh, is a little bit better, but they both have pretty similar things. I think the reason people have it out for Marvel villains is simply because Tom Hiddleston raised the bar. Yeah. And frankly, I, I, if I, it think, hadn't I been... think Chuta will match that bar. I think we're going to do with Modo what we did with That's Loki. I think, though, if it hadn't been for Top Hiddleston, I think, and we'd had the rest of the villains as they were, we people would be a lot more receptive to, you know, Caecilius and even Ultron. Yeah. I mean, okay, I have issues with Ultron because I expect more from that actor. You expect more from Jay Spader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the thing with. He was with, second only to RDJ in my book of, un, of just gods. Just people that you would love to be. Yes. Yeah. The thing with Caecilius, you can get on board with him. Yeah. That's the thing with a villain. If you can, in some dark part of your mind, get on board with a villain and see where they're coming from, mm. then that's a success, and it makes for a better film. Which I think is why uh, mo- you know the the other things, the, the future bits oh, are going to yeah. be so interesting, which yeah. we're not particularly talking. about. We're not but, particularly talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Just if you read a comic, if you read a comic, know, yeah. you're going to know what's to come. And oh, in fact, if you stick around till the end credits, you're going to know what's to come. <laughs> should we talk? Uh, should we go back to some film news? Or, some film news. In fact, on. not some film news. Let's do a tiny little bit of TV news. Oh yeah, you're on TV so news. So we got some casting news for Stranger Things. Oh, yes, yeah. I like this news. But it's kind of related to films. So it is related to because Stranger Things owes such a debt to the films of the 80s. Such as Goonies. Yes, because obviously it has that you know child, buddy, paranormal kind of element to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So from Goonies, uh, Sean Astin. Yes. Also from Lord of the Rings, obviously, Samwise. He's coming on board. Don't, and... don't ever mention Samwise to me. <laughs> I hate Samwise. Share the load. <laughs> I hate him so much. I just want to beat him to a pulp and share my load with him that way. You want to uh, beat him with a sack of potatoes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Sean Astin has joined. And also, um, uh, Paul Weiser. Yes. From who... Aliens and uh, a sitcom called uh, My Two Dads. And Mad About You. And Mad About You, of course. But here's the weird thing. You know, we never think about this now, but I think I think we did say this at one point recently, but yeah, we look back on like Aliens and, and Paul Weiser being in it, mm. and you sit and think, He's a comedy actor. Oh, yeah. Like, that had to really mess with people when that movie was out. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine that? you got to see a movie. Oh, this is a new Alien movie. And and, and the funny thing. guy is going to be... You'd you probably be expecting him to have, like, the Hicks role. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hudson role. Hudson, so, yeah. You know, because he's the funny one. And he turns up and he's Burke. And you're like, whoa, okay. Did not see that see, coming. That could happen with um, uh, McBride. That really could. Yeah, be. absolutely. And... Um, just stick with TV for one more Go piece for of it. news. So, a show that I love, I think you're, you're a fan as well, mm-hmm. uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Season nine, which Beloved Aunt is one of my favourite things ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, uh, I, I, I love that so much that I actually want to become someone's aunt so that I can, so that, so that when I die, the events of that episode can befall, <laughs> my, can befall my nephew or niece. Uh. Well, um, some uh, beloved uh, series regulars are returning. Uh, oh, yeah. Ted Danson and oh. Mary Steenburgen. Oh, do you know what? I have all the time in the world for Ted Danson right now. Me too. I've, I've watched about Good Place. The, the Good show. Place. It's yeah. great, isn't it? I'm really enjoying I've it. I've not seen the finale yet. Me, me neither. No, yeah, I've I'm not. like three episodes in. Ah. Yeah. Oh, man, because there's a cast member that's going to blow your mind. Really? Oh, can I tell you? Can I, can I genuinely tell you? Uh, yeah, my mind is ready to be blown. It's not a, it's not, it's not a surprise reveal or anything. Okay. It's just, oh, I had no idea it was in this. Is it? Adam Scott is in it. Oh, no way. Adam Scott is in, in the last couple of episodes. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Is, is he playing God? Is no, God? no. He's Ted Danson's counterpart from The Bad Place. <laughs> and he's basically Incredible. like the exact opposite. He's kind of sleazy and all about fun. Nice. Yeah, you're going to love it. I say, I'm I've not seen the finale, so I can't possibly spoil it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm going to check out, but cannot wait for Kirby to come back. Cannot yeah. wait for season when two of Stranger Things. They're, I've not given it a date. 
I think oh. I think it'll drop next year. To be honest, uh. I'm very surprised. So at least we got we got an antidote to Trump becoming president. We got Larry coming back. Just, Larry David in that show is just amazing. Have you to seen me. Larry on, S- on, on on Saturday Night Live as Bernie? Yes, yes, I have. It's perfect. Uh, do you know what I love? I love the one where he he meets a wrestler named Thor, <laughs> and and I just I think doesn't he tell his kid that wrestling isn't real? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I love that episode. Um, I love the one where he's at a restaurant and there's a guy on his phone next to him, <laughs> and Larry just he's not got a phone. He's just pretending to be talking to someone on the phone. He starts talking louder than him. Uh, the car periscope. I like that the one as well. Yeah. Just the thing, Kirby Enthusiasm is one of those amazing things that not enough people have seen. No. Clearly not enough people have seen. It was never as big in the UK. No, it wasn't. And, and yet, people have no idea how much they're missing out. Kirby Enthusiasm is so good. Yeah, even the last season, which wasn't up to par with well, the New York. But even on its lowest point, yeah. it's still better than most TV yeah. comedies. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. You know, it's, it's not like Red Dwarf, where you kind of just wish they'd ended it halfway through its life. Or The Simpsons, where it's actually been rubbish for longer than it was good. Yeah. But, yeah. I still watch it. I still watch Simpsons every really? day, though. I... I'm still keeping up. I I struggle to watch The Simpsons. It's like fa- having said that, Family Guy makes me laugh at least twice an episode. But Family Guy retains to be more relevant. Yeah, quicker. yeah like, I th- that. There was already a gag about the Trump, but <laughs> there was. There really thing. was. Whereas <laughs> Simpsons might do that. In a few Have years. you seen, by the way, someone has re-edited the clip from Home Alone Two of Donald really? Trump helping Kevin in the lobby? Yeah, and it? they've re-edited it when he says, "You know where the lobby is?" He says, "Down there on the right," and. And then they've inserted that line, the grab her line. Oh, and the kid oh, then dear. says, oh, thank you, and goes on his way. And it's oh. it's it's mortifyingly seamless. <laughs> I learned a fact about Home Alone. Well, just about Macaulay Culkin. Go and on. Stuff. And it was on one of his things. It was like a BuzzFeed list. And it yeah. was facts to make you feel old. Yeah. And it was Macaulay Culkin is now the same age that Catherine O'Hara was. When she played his mom. No way. She, he's now 36. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm wowing that Catherine O'Hara was only 36. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about a different thing? <laughs> I, just, I just figured she was like 45. I, I, I do. I figure she is sort of ageless, but... Yeah. She still looks good now. She still looks the same now. That's yeah, why. <laughs> just slightly like grey hair. Yeah, no, Which, she's do you know? I've, got, I've never actually figured this out. Who is she married to in reality? Because I, I mean, oh, it I might it might not be anyone famous, but they all seem to be married to other contributing actors and, and filmmakers within that community. Catherine and her husband. Let's all find out together. So, do you know the one that always blows my mind? You know, um, this guy called Bo Welsh. No, Bo, I don't know my no. man. You know the one that is, always is, it, he is a director. Uh, what's the name? Uh, O'Toole, Peter Pizza? O'Toole's daughter. Yeah. Who plays Clark Kent's mum in Smallville? Right. Her husband is Mike McKean. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Because he then turns up in Smallville as Perry White. That's and... good casting, yeah. Oh, it's great casting. Mm. But he turns up in Smallville as Perry White early on, and then years later, once Clark Kent's dad's you know copped it, and she's gone off and become a senator, mm. she comes back one episode with her new boyfriend, and it's Perry White. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I love that. Right, I've uh, got one last piece of film. News, one last, and then one we're last wrap piece it up because this is such a bumper show. It, it really is it's pretty big. Yeah. yeah, don't go away on a honeymoon again. <laughs> <laughs> you get one wedding. That's it. That is it. Yeah, that's exactly what Cassie said to me. As well. Oh, oh okay, yeah. that's that's good. Never to know. again. This is it. Okay, um, and I've I've saved this until last because you, you you are my friend, and occasionally I like to give you gifts. So okay. Pacific Rim Two. <gasps> 
You do give me a gift, sir. I do. You do. Uh, it started filming. It is actually happening. Uh, it does have the title we all thought it was going to be. Which oh, is, uh, so Pacific Rim Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Yes. Sounds good. I mean, that pleases me. That, that pleases that me. That pleases me also. <laughs> it pleases me greatly. Yes. But yeah, uh, John, John Boyega um, also uh, is going to be starring, as we already know. Uh, he's a producer on the flick as well. Is he a producer on it as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the... One of the little uh, little things. Bringing you know what in. I really loved? He uh, Instagrammed, I think, a photo of the script, hmm. and it comes in a black leather binder with oh. Pacific Rim Maelstrom in like gold lettering, and then at the bottom right, just the initials JB. And I think, oh, oh that's so class, man! Yeah, man, what a class affair! He's I mean, a classy man. I have no idea what the hell the plot's going to be, but you no. know what? I don't care because the last one was awesome. I am on board. I mean, Power Rangers got a lot to live up to, for honest, because of Pacific Rim. Although, first trailer for that did impress me, got to admit. Because it was like Chronicle. <laughs> it was player. essentially Chronicle and Iron Man and yeah, Goonies. But from the things you've seen in that trailer, it then has to go Pacific Rim. That's the whole point. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be like ninja scenes and Pacific Rim scenes. Ninja on scenes top of is a great name for a band. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that. <laughs> What's the one? What's the one from Peep Show? We're going to call ourselves uh, various artists just to f- people on iPods. <laughs> What's the band we have in Peep Show? Um, da- uh, Danny Dyer's Chocolate Homunculi. Um, Chocolate Homunculi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of like the later seasons where they're all wearing like zoot suits. And, uh, oh yeah, another one. Yeah. On which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. Yes, Lord. Don't yes, Lord me. Yes, Lord. I said don't say that. Yes, Lord. Gary. Yes, Lord. What? No, Lord. Are you saying no to me, Gary? No! 